Howdy, howdy, do who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 217. Yeah. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor! For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire. Yeah. I'm a doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy do you fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. Hope you've had a cracking week. Uh, that you've managed to order something Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Related. Related. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome aboard, new listeners. New subs, hope you're doing well. Long-time listeners, Grizzled Ancients, hope you're well. We are going through a couple of little technical gremlins this morning, so mm. if myself or Adam disappear into the time vortex, we'll be back. It's because we're coming live from the planet Hoth this morning. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a sprinkle of snow, ladies and gentlemen, and it's, uh, it's lovely, actually. I'm just looking out my window now. It does, I do feel like I'm on Hoth. Waiting for an attack to come over the hill. <laughs> Set a course for the hot system. <laughs> Let's hope some of our Doctor Who listeners are also Star Wars fans, or they'll be thinking, what the blimmin' heck are they all about? What's all this caper then? Yeah, what's this hot business? Meant to be a bleeding Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> yes, hope you all, well, we got some very small chunks of news emerged to get through. Mm. And then we're on to our review of the the classic that we've wanted to do for many, many years, but for some reason we've never done it. So together we shall be reviewing Genesis of the Daleks. We'll just refer to it as Genesis from here on in, just because I can't be bothered to keep saying Genesis of the Daleks. <laughs> of the Daleks, yeah. Yes. So how have you been, buddy? Have you been up to anything Doctor Who related? Uh, yeah, I have actually. Yeah, I've done a few little bits. I was up in London at the weekend, um, shot across to Who Shop for a quick browse around there. I haven't been there for a while, and I think because you were talking about it recently on or on last week's pod, it kind of put it in my mindset. 
So a quick visit to the Who shop, didn't buy a thing. Uh, didn't even <laughs> go in the museum this time because I was a bit pushed for time. And uh, then shot across town, had a look in FP, which I know you also went to. We'll come on to that in a minute. Uh, a separate times, so we weren't together. I was there for a, a birthday bash. So I was kind of fitting in a few Doctor Who shops while I was in <laughs> London, as you do, thinking, yeah, I'll get to the birthday drinks, but just a quick browse, first of all. Of course. Uh, yep. And then that was that. And yeah, I didn't really get anything because there was just nothing. Um, but again, we'll come on to that when we talk about your experience in FP. Um and uh, yeah, apart from that, I've been doing a bit of Doctor Who reading this week. So I've been reading um, the Tom Baker interview in in the latest Doctor Who magazine, which is brilliant, actually. Oh, okay. So yeah. really, because he's because he's got this new book out called uh, Scratch Man, which is a Doctor Who book. He's um, he's doing quite a bit of publicity for it, mm-hmm. and uh, I think oh, I can't remember when it was, but his last interview in Doctor Who magazine, he was like that. That was supposed to be his final interview. <laughs> now he's done this other new interview, which is great. I mean, we you know we never want Tom to to do a final interview so that's really good it's a really good interview actually he talks about all sorts and it cracks me up when he gets asked the question he sort of starts off by answering it and then just goes on a whole different he's just so full of stories isn't he it's mm-hmm. like yeah he's, he's just so entertaining um so i've been reading that interview and um i've literally just got my hands on the book as well doctor who scratch man which is sort of a I've been really looking forward to it because there's a bit of a sort of story behind it, isn't it? It's sort of something that him and Ian Marta came up with a rough idea because they were going to make a Duck 2 film and it, you know, back in the day and then it never happened. And then, and I don't know where I read this because I can't find it since, but I think, didn't he find the idea or the rough sketches in his loft or something? I don't know. I, found him somewhere. I'm starting to think yeah. I dreamt that because I can't find out where I saw that. But anyway, somewhere along the line, he's got together the ideas with... Um, James Goss, who did a couple of Dot Two uh, books as well, and they've they've finished it off, and it's it's just literally just been released. And I, I've read the first two chapters, and I'm absolutely loving it. <laughs> um, I really hope it it continues in that vein because uh, I still have horrific memories of Tom's book, The Boy Who Kicked Pigs, which started off good and then just <laughs> <laughs> was just one of the weirdest books ever. Um, but yeah, this is what I've read of this so far is great, and he's because he knows the characters of like Sarah and Harry so well, he writes, you know, the dialogue is just absolutely spot on. And mm-hmm. you, you can just hear their voices in your head when reading it. It is literally like stepping back in time and, and being with the doctor, Sarah and Harry, and it's brilliant. And I'm only two chapters in. So, oh, cool. uh, yeah, yeah, I've been really enjoying that. Have you got it yet? It's, li- it's literally only just been released. Have you got it yet? No, not yet. I'll pick it up. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. I, it's out in hardback. Um, I normally wait for the paperback to be honest, because they're too. cheaper, but, um, yeah, I saw it and it looked really nice. It's got this sort of unusual sort of blood red cover. It looks like a sort of hammer horror book, it actually. Cool, it's cool, doesn't it, actually? Yeah, it yeah. does, yeah. So, yeah, I had to get it. And, um, yeah, so I've been reading a bit of that and I'm just just absolutely loving it. So, yeah, I bet I was quite restrained in London. Didn't really buy much, but, um, yeah, got the book and, and as I said, Dot Two Magazine dropped through the letterbox and I've been reading that. So, yeah, mostly reading from me this this week. Cool, cool. Doctor Who wise. What about you, mate? I know you're up in London, but uh, you were with the fam, so you were doing your own thing. Yeah. But you did go to FP, didn't you? I saw your picture of the cabinet, the the, the cabinet of Doctor Who stuff they have in there. The cabinet of doom. I saw the cabinet as well, and I I did laugh when I saw your picture online a couple of hours later. I was like, yeah, I I had similar <laughs> thoughts when I looked in there as well. Yeah, it's a shame, really, because I um. 
Yes, I was in London with the fam and we were going to go to the Who shop and we're meant to be over that part of London, but um, we can't. I was convinced idea. I'd bump yeah. into you because I'd said to you, you know, I'm going to be in London. You're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I was doing my birthday thing. You were with the family. So we were, I was convinced I'd bump into you, but we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what time you were at the Who shop. Uh, sorry, FP. Were Quite you with, early. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. We didn't go there till, I don't know, two or three o'clock or something. But mm. um, yeah, the cabinet for the Doctor Who. So. Long-time listeners will know that we've had an ongoing grievance mm-hmm. with Forbidden Planet and the bloody cabinet in the London Megastore for the Doctor Who section. Now, just get rid of the bloody thing. It's as just bad as it it's down. ever been, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. been bad before, but yeah. I, it, this time it is literally <laughs> half empty. It's incredible. Unless they're waiting for some new merch. but Because that's the thing that surprised me. I was convinced, and I, I would have put money on it, I was convinced... <laughs> they'd have about a thousand of the new five inch 13th doctor figure. Cause they've just, you know, they've just got them online. So they've got them in stock online. I thought the shop will be full of them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to walk in. It's going to be wall to wall 13th doctor figures. Not a single one. No, not nothing. No, no, nothing. I mean, they had them in the who shop. They had loads in the who shop, but yeah. So I, I expected to see it round with <laughs> them and I expected them to be in the cabinet um, but no, they they bunged a Barbie doll in there, the Doctor Who Barbie doll, couple of Titans scattered across it, and that was it, wasn't it? There, there was, was nothing else. Yeah. They didn't even put a Sonic in there, did they? No, but there was, a, no. There was one of the old, um, you know, they went through a phase of releasing some kitchenware. They had like a teapot and oh, a milk jug. yeah, they they're had, about yeah. eight years old, yeah. Really old. They had the, the old Cyberman with the sort of light teal coloured background. Yeah. Just plonked leisurely there um and that's it and then half of it there's just nothing at all it's only half full isn't it yeah but it just needs a clean and a dust as well it's just you can tell it's it no, terrible in comparison to if you if you're standing in the london megastore looking at that cabinet if you do a 180 and look behind you there's the star wars mm. uh, section now i know that there's vast amounts of star wars merch in comparison to doctor who i'm aware of that there's lots more but it's just the display stand has got a bit more love as well. It's got new signage or recent signage up across the top and all the labels are nicely done and it's all done very nicely. But the Doctor Who, it's still got those really old 12-year-old FP little Doctor Who stickers along the front of the shelves. and Yeah. It's just got no love at all. So either stick some good stuff in there or just get rid of that cabinet because it, it, it kind of reminds you of a bit of a, 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 bit of a car boot sale. When, oh yeah, do you know what I mean? When you've gone, anyone that's been around a car boot so will know that it's just people just selling off the crap that they don't want anymore, and it's got that vibe about it. It's just got yeah. Let's the only new thing in there, like you said, was the little five inch. Was it five inch or whatever it was? The doll, the figure. Oh no, they didn't have that. They didn't even have that. They oh, had the, they'd bunged in the the. 13th Doctor Barbie doll, I oh, think. Oh, the Barbie I mean, thing, it, yeah. Yeah, if anyone wants to see this cabinet, just head over to the Blue Box Instagram uh, account yeah. or, or have a look. I think you did post it on Facebook as well, didn't you? Just go and, if you want to see this. It's just The sad thing is, there are loads of little, although the section's a bit drab at the minute, there's loads of little bits they could put in there just to, even just to fill it up. You know, they've got like card holders and those those funny metal things that you have to bend into shape. They've got one of canine and yeah, they've got loads yeah. of little bits that they could put in there. I'm amazed that the manager hasn't sort of said to, to one of them, come on guys, shove something in there, just make it, you know, 
they they there is plenty of stuff they could put in there. Yeah, well, they could even, even though it's not good stuff, there is stuff. No, well, they could even get a nice backing for it. You know, they could print out. You know, mm. even like you know the recent Doctor <laughs> Who um, uh, images that you saw with um, with Jodie and um, Graham and Yaz, and you know, and it's behind a big colourful mm. background and stuff. They could have made like an acrylic backing for it, so at least it looks nice. And they could have draped a T-shirt over part of the shelf to fill it up a little bit and stuff it's just had no love whatsoever it's, it's terrible no and it's a shame because we were saying weren't we when before series 11 kicked off we were saying oh they've got the t-shirt out you know as it starts and they seem to be getting it together in sync mm-hmm. in the series and the merchandise everything started off so promising and we both thought we were going to go back to the glory days of walking <laughs> into fp and seeing all this lovely merch and it it's kind of gone back to being just dribs and drabs again isn't it um I, actually i went into my local toy shop well localish toy shop um on friday i had to add, a, add some work up in oxford so i missed the train home and uh, i had an hour i thought oh, i'll just go and have a look in the in the toy shop because i know somebody works there i've known her for years and she laughed she said oh, i bet i know what you're in for <laughs> and i was like what and smiled she's those new doctor who figures and i went oh you've got them have you so even my local toy shop, they'd got a nice row of about, hang on, about 12 Sonics. Next to it was the 10-inch Jodie figure. They'd got three of those. And then underneath, they'd got about probably 20 of the new 5.5-inch figures. So they'd got a nice little, you yeah, know, nothing yeah. special, but there it all was, all neat on the shelf, all coordinated. And I thought, oh, that's nice. I didn't have the heart to tell her that I'd already got all of it because um, she was quite excited. She's like, oh, cause she knows I love Doctor Who. Um, but yeah, at least it was there and it was nice to walk into a shop and see a bit of Doctor Who merch, you know, neat and not covered in cobwebs. I'm thinking, yeah, come on, FP, <laughs> up your game. Because <laughs> I do love FP. It sounds like we're, we do love FP, don't we? It's just that they they seem to have just, yeah, taken the, their eye off the ball a little bit with that yeah. display. It used to be so good in there. I think that's the problem. It, it used, used to be, to be awesome. yeah. used to walk in and it, the Doctor Who section used to be so awesome, but... Yeah, well, yeah. I remember that cabinet being reserved for like um, special what, things. Yeah, like special edition Titans or special mm-hmm. like little bits that uh, that you couldn't just take off the shelf and go and buy. You had to ask somebody, "Oh, can I have a look at this, please?" Because it looks you yeah. Know. So it's just yeah, yeah. But they I, did actually because yeah. there was some big. Uh, I can't remember which company did them. It might have even been Titan, but did these big. Um, uh, vinyl Daleks, but they were quite expensive. They were like 80 odd quid or whatever. Um, but they looked great and they had those in the cabinet, but they were very limited. And it was things like that, wasn't it? Where you, you could actually see the limited product out of mm-hmm. the box in the yeah. cabinet. Oh, look at that Dalek. And you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh dear. So you didn't buy anything then? <laughs> Nothing Doctor Who related anyway. No, no, I picked up a few Star Wars bits, uh, but yeah, Doctor Who wise, no, it's just very dry in there, mate. They even went downstairs and I look at the comics. That's, shrunken down a lot now the section with all the comics in and oh that was the thing i was most disappointed with because they do get the eagle moss figures in and um i i do order them from fp online but for some reason they just haven't received stock of the last couple so the zabi uh they never got or haven't got yet and and then the latest one is the pirate captain from the pirate planet so i was thinking okay hopefully they'll have some on the shelf because they haven't been able to send it to me you know, via post, and they didn't have any at all. They had, a, the, you know, this is probably Eagle Moss's fault because they are so bad at supplying. 
Um, but they didn't have any of those as well. And I was really gutted. I was hoping I'd come out of there at least with the pirate captain because just a week earlier, I'd gone into WH Smith and this is near where I live. And I could see one behind the counter. I was like, Oh, the pirate captain. Cause occasionally they just randomly get them in. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't And so, so occasionally I managed to get one from Smith's, but I said to the woman, Oh, can I have that? Can I have that Doctor Who magazine? And she went, oh, no, that's a customer order, I think. Let me just have a look. And she opened this drawer. And in this drawer was um, three pirate captains, this giant uh, Dalek. Oh, what's he called? He's like a special edition of the magazine. Dalek. Oh, is he called? Prime Minister, I think. Right. Which looks gorgeous. And again, it's, it just seems impossible to get. And another one. It wasn't the Zabi. I can't think what it was. Yeah, in this drawer, and she and it was, it was like the drawer of like the Holy Grail. So all this light. I was like, yeah. oh, I want all of those. She said, no, oh. no, these are a customer order. He just hasn't picked them up yet. And I was, I was like, are you sure he's gonna? Are you sure he's coming for them? Because if he's not, you know, because I was like, that one's been out for a while. You know, are you sure he wants them? She's like, no, I can't sell them to you. And I was like, oh no. But I kept thinking it's all right because I'll be in FP at the weekend, and if Smiths have got them, FP are bound to have got them. So I was a bit gutted. Yeah. Yeah, forbidden planet, eh? Yeah, it's like two. Ex- it's like one extreme to the other. Sometimes you go in there, and it's just there's loads of cool stuff. I mean, there's loads of cool stuff anyway. That's the you know, there's always cool stuff in there. But in terms of Doctor Who, sometimes you'll go in there and you'll just be blown off your socks. You'll be like, wow, they've got yeah. new T-shirts. They got stuff that that was discontinued. You thought, but then they've got loads of that in there, so that's cool. And they've got mm. loads of you know, but. Times like now, I mean, it's surprising because of that with new Doctor Who being on recently, you would have thought that they would have been on it and capitalised on people being in sort of Doctor Who mode, if you like. That that does but, remind me, actually, there was a thing yesterday, wasn't there, that the there was a the toy fair in London where they sort of showcase up and all these different companies showcase up and come in toys and that they're going to put out in the in the new year and um, character had a stand and they did have. <laughs> What did they have? Oh, is it a companion set? You know, none of these are confirmed. They're just there as prototypes to say this is what we're hoping to bring out in the new year. And that there is a companion set, hopefully, on the way of Graham, Yaz, and Ryan. <laughs> I, I'm assuming it's a set of the three together. Right. Um, and I think that was pretty much it for new stuff. There wasn't a lot. I think there was some weird TARDIS thing that you scan and it becomes 3D on your phone. And I don't yeah. even know what that is. Yeah. Um, and there was one other thing which a sonic <laughs> that, that you can use as a pen or something. It was all a bit, it wasn't very, you know, enthusing. It was a bit like, Oh, is that it for, but I think there's going to be other stuff. I hear that there's going to be more exclusive B and M sets, which just makes the blood drain from my face yeah. because they tend to yeah. get really, you know, nice sets that are supposed to be cheap, but are almost impossible to get your blooming hands on because people go and buy them all up and sell them for, hundreds of pounds on eBay. I just hate the exclusive B&M stuff. I, it's so hard for me to get my hands on it. Well, I think that's what the the, the new companion sets are, aren't they? B&M sets? No, I don't think so. Sorry. No, I think there's, there's going to be a fourth Doctor TARDIS um, is rumoured, oh, uh, which is right. going to be a okay. B&M exclusive. But yeah, I just, oh dear me. Apparently they've, they've got a few sets on the way. Oh, right. Um, right. But it's, it's just the fact they're so hard to get. Not, yeah. not, not the sets themselves. They're normally quite nice. And, they're normally being B&M exclusives, supposed to be quite cheap because <laughs> they're a budget store, but it, trying to get them for the retail price is uh, normally ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I know so what, anyway. Yeah, I know what you mean though. So um, 
some of this stuff was announced, wasn't it, at London Toy Fair? That's it, Toy Fair, yeah. The last couple of days, and yeah. So with the exception of the 12th Doctor's Sonic and the 13th Doctor's Sonic reissues, mm. yeah, I think it's just um, the light painting Sonic, isn't it? I think that's what you're yeah, referring to. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. 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 And but the, the one I've been looking forward to is the 13th Doctor TARDIS. I thought, yeah, I thought, you know, when the figures come out, yeah. I was looking forward to the flight control TARDIS, but apparently that's been put on hold. Um, so I'm like, okay, so I'm guessing that's not going to come out until Series 12 now. I'm guessing. Probably. I mean, I've no, yeah. yeah, it's just been put on hold because apparently they weren't given the, they weren't even shown it <laughs> uh, in time to produce it or something. That's what they're saying. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's the thing. I'm all for Chibnall being secretive but you've got to give the manufacturers something to go on of course yeah otherwise <laughs> yeah. it otherwise you end up with uh geek sci-fi merchandise shops with nothing on the shelf exactly you know yeah. it's like mm-hmm. i know yeah but that was my trip to fp though in a nutshell and mine yeah yeah otherwise i haven't really done too much mate i've enjoyed watching some of the cool um features on the season 18 box set because i've obviously mm. had to dig it out because i wanted to watch genesis um, from the new box set or the recently released box set should I say yeah and actually that's that must be coming up for quite a few months that's been out now when did that come out season 18 season 12 uh, 12 sorry not 18 yeah yeah, 12, yeah. Sorry. Um, it's funny you say that quite a while isn't it and um, when did that come out June June I can't remember now um, but it's funny you say about the features because I thought I'd watch them all and um, and then I was obviously watching Genesis for the review and I realised there's actually someone there I still haven't watched. I mean, they are absolutely mm. loaded, aren't they, with special features. I was like, oh, I don't think I've, I can't think what it was. There's some feature of where somebody's recorded a, an interview in the BBC bar back in the 70s. I was thinking, what? I don't remember. What's this? <laughs> so I was listening to a bit of that. There's all sorts on those discs. They're brilliant. They're very cool. I really like yeah. the, um, the 3D environment mock-ups. You know, when you go into the menu, so when the disc yeah. finally gets through all of the idents and everything. <laughs> Yeah, you just got the menu screen, and you've got those really nice sort of little three D pass throughs of the TARDIS interior and stuff. Lovely, really, lo- really well done, aren't they? Great stuff. Oh yeah, they they are lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tom one's really foreboding though. The sort of background music, like, ooh, uh, yeah. yeah. Whereas Peter's one on the season nineteen is a bit more, yeah, bit more upbeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's what we've been up to. Yeah, uh, let's um get a couple of bits of news bits done. Yeah. That's a weird sort of coincy dinky dink. It's Mr. Baker's birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Tom Baker. (laughs) (laughs) How old is he now? 85. 85. Come on, 85 years old and still rocking and rolling. Do you know, he looks very good, actually. He looks very healthy recently. I was a bit worried about Tom. A couple of years ago, he had a bit of a, you know, he wasn't too well. And I remember he sort of stopped he sort of shut down his um, online autographs shop and was like, I've got to have a bit of a rest. And then he was in hospital. I was like, oh, no. Mm. You know, because if anything ever happens to Tom. But I'll tell you what, he's bounced back. Uh, since that, that was about two years ago. Since then, he, he seems absolutely full of, like, health and energy. And when I saw him at 
the London Film Fair that last time and he come out after like four to six hours of solid signing and he still was like posing for fit photos and meeting people. Mm. I was just like, God, this guy is just incredible, isn't he, for his age? Absolutely amazing. And now he's just released a novel. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> yeah. There's no stopping the man. He's incredible. He's a machine. It, well, yeah, yeah. He's, he's the he's the doctor, isn't he? Yeah, he is the doctor to me. I think I, if anyone ever says, "Can you pick a favourite?" I I do always go for fourth. He is my favourite. I think he is. Um, yeah, potentially the most well known, well liked mm. doctor of them all. I would say from the classic yeah. years, but well, arguably all of Doctor Who. But yeah, when we were look when we were chatting last week or a week before, we were saying, "What are we going to do for for this week?" Then let's do let's do a Tom story because we got quite mm. a few, well not. We've got a few of his to get through in terms of classic reviews. Let's do a Tom story. And it just ha- happens that it's the same week as he's just turned 85. So it's a nice coincidence yeah. to do a Tom story around his birthday. But yeah, what I mean, like you said, it was a bit... I remember a couple of years ago, you and I actually saying that, you know, I hope Tom Baker's okay because mm. he's he's gone very quiet of late and he's... Yeah, you just don't hear any. There was a period, wasn't there? You just didn't hear anything at all, and we were a bit worried. So I remember he did a video just saying, "I'm going to be just closing the shop," and he looked really, his face looked really thin. I thought, "Oh dear, Tom doesn't look too good," and he mm. went into hospital for whatever. And yeah, I just, I don't know, I just you, you worry, and then, but he just, yeah. Since then, he's just like seems to be full of colour. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and he put out a little yeah. video message, didn't he, on his birthday as well? And that oh, was nice, really yeah. funny, and up. But like he said, he just looked full of like of life and I loved what he said he was like what was it he's like an hour ago I felt like I was 70 uh, uh, 10 minutes ago I felt like I was 75 five minutes ago I felt I just thought it was a really the way the stuff he comes out with I just love it he's great isn't he yeah you could could sit and listen to Tom for so long and not get bored he's just endless stream of the stories that man can tell anecdotes and little Mm. sayings and stories it's amazing so yeah very big happy birthday to mr baker 85 young it seems it does indeed yeah and he is absolutely loved me i tell you i i posted my picture with him on twitter and it's probably the fourth or fifth time i've posted that same (laughs) picture over you know over a period of time and it still gets like over 100 likes and 20 retweets i'm just like he's just so it's nothing to do with me in the picture it's just tom he's absolutely loved isn't it (laughs) and and absolutely not just me but twitter was just full of people posting their pictures Mm. and birthday messages to him and and facebook was as well and yeah absolutely love so happy birthday tom 85 indeed 85. Uh, right, moving on. Is is a cool bit of news. Um, David Tennant, the tenth Doctor himself, is starting a podcast. Whoa! Yes, yeah, and he's got some really cool guests going to be on it as well, including Whoopi Goldberg, Olivia Coleman, John Hamm, Jodie Whittaker, uh, Kristen Ritter, Michael Sheen, Ian McKellen, to name but a few. Uh, so you can subscribe to this podcast now on iTunes, and it's called David Tennant Does a Podcast with The. It's just with. I think they mistakenly put the. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Just well, to be I on see, grammar with, control. And then they'll, add the, that, then they'll add the guest. Is that right? So That's it'll right. be like David yeah. Tennant Does a Podcast with, and then they'll insert name here. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and other exciting news that goes along with that, it would seem uh, his lovely wife, Georgia Tennant, who, Tennant, who's got quite a reputation on um twitter and instagram for posting well she posts all sorts all of normally really yeah. hilarious stuff yeah um 
I think she's talked him into this. She's got him onto Twitter and Instagram, it would seem. It would seem. So there's two accounts been set up which she's tweeted about to do with this podcast, but they they are still set to private. So they haven't quite gone live yet. But it it looks like David Tennant's joining social media. So on Twitter, it's just David Tennant pod. And Instagram, it's David Tennant pod. (laughs) So just remember David Tennant pod. Um, They're still set to private, but presuming they're going to go live uh, quite soon. Yeah. And if you want to if you want to follow his wife uh, Georgia, it's Georgia E Tennant uh, on Twitter and Georgia Tennant official on Instagram and she is well worth following. Some she posted a great thing of um David Tennant and Peter Davison changing a light bulb recently, didn't she? And she's like how many doctors does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and you got Peter Davison up on a chair and you've got David yeah. Tennant staring up sort of very like, what's going on here? Are you sure sort this is the right bulb sort of it, yeah. thing? Yeah. 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 <laughs> that yeah. podcast sounds great, though, doesn't it, mate? I'm really looking forward to this. Does it? Do we know when it launches? Uh, it doesn't say anywhere when the no. podcast is starting up, but it does sound very cool. Um, now, I'm wondering whether, I, to be honest with you, I can't see this being David Tennant's own personal Twitter account. I, I honestly can't see. I thought so. Yeah, because he's always said from the beginning of time, that's an over-exaggeration. From the beginning of hmm. social media, anyway, he's always said that he has absolutely no interest in in doing any of that stuff. He doesn't see... Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, because yeah, I remember listening to him on a radio show donkeys years ago when he was the doctor. And they were asking him, why aren't you on Twitter then? Why? Because fans want to know what you're up to. And he, right. and he said very early on, he said, look, people don't want to know when I've just got up. They don't want to know that I've just brush my teeth they don't want to know that i've arrived in london for an interview they just don't and i think everyone's thinking yes we do we, we do everybody <laughs> wants to but I, he just doesn't see the point in in that stuff so i would imagine i'm i'm not 100 sure but i'm guessing that georgia will probably run this account for him it'll probably be a bunch of of pics of when he's doing his podcast and she's taking photos of his him and his guests and sticking that so i'd be very very surprised if David Tennant himself tweets from that account or anything. So, yeah, I wouldn't get everyone's hopes up in thinking that you're going to be replying to David Tennant on Twitter Mm. or anything like that. It sounds like it's going to be a managed thing. I I would think so, yeah. He might do the odd one or two, but yeah, I can see that. A bit like Davison. I mean, Davison, Peter Davison uh, was on Twitter for a while and then I think it was over, wasn't it over Jodie's casting? He he kind of got a load of backlash and he he quit Twitter, didn't he? He just said, I can't cope with all this. You know, you just can't say anything on yeah. Twitter nowadays. And so he left and I think he briefly came back, but I don't think he's on it anymore. Or at least if he is, he's not active, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, so just a quick update while we're on the show. Um, I just had a look at the Instagram and the Twitter account. They're now unprivatized. Are they? So you can go ahead and, and stick a follow Ooh. and stuff on there. So at, currently at this time of recording which is uh, Wednesday morning. David Tennant on Instagram has got 1,298 followers. Blimey. Yeah. So that'll rock it, I reckon. That's going to go through the roof. I'm adding him now. How many has he got on Twitter? How many has he got uh, on Twitter? How many How many David Tennants have you seen today? He's got 161 followers on Twitter. Is that all? Must have literally just gone live. Yeah, literally just now. Yeah. I'm adding him. 
He said he was the only one. Right, so I'm just adding him now. Uh, what is it? David he said, Tennant. Oh, he said he was the only one. David Tennant. Three. Oh, how good <laughs> would it be if he had just three followers? We could drop that one in. <laughs> only three. <laughs> you right. must not blaspheme that I'm on. <laughs> You're a meddlesome hussy. <laughs> Blimey, yeah, he's a <laughs> guys. I think I was right. Follow 100. I'm his 162 second follower. Uh-huh. So there we are. Amazing. Yeah. So Instagram's gone mad, but yeah, that's, that's crazy to think. Yes, I'm clicking on it now. I can see your little face. There you are. You surely he's yeah. going to get more than that. Would be very disappointing if he only got 200 followers, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, the, <laughs> the news only broke this morning, I think, or something like that. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, I imagine it'll blow up fairly soon. Yes. Well, yeah, cool. Excellent. Right, followed David Tennant. Let's see, let's see what he comes out with. Excellent. 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 <laughs> Just followed him on. Right, why Adam's mucking around on his phone. I'm going to get our metal friend in to see what yes. merch he's got for us. Get him in. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish. But it's pretty. It's very pretty. Dalek stories. Yeah, yeah. Eric Saywood. Times two. Yeah. So the novelizations for two of the uh, Dalek stories that have never been released before in BBC book format, i.e. a book. Never. Will be coming in July and November. Mm-hmm. So these two stories, the first one being the fifth Doctor story, Resurrection of the Daleks. Oh, I like that one. And old sixty story, Revelation of the Daleks. Yes. Will both be released via, uh, in hardback format as expected to begin with at twelve ninety nine each. And these ones are quite cool because, um, as we just said, these have never been put out uh, in books before. And... Um, yeah, they're by Eric Sayward, the original scriptwriter. Mm. And um, the novels are only two uh, of the classic era novels, never been novelized, and their publication more than three decades after their first broadcast on TV. So uh, this is kind of cool. I know you're not a fan of the covers of these. But, no, uh, I, I think, I don't know, I... Are they growing on me slightly? But no, I'm not really a fan. They're, they're just a bit weird. Um, they look like I thought they were like temporary covers when I when I first <laughs> right. saw them. I thought, oh, they're they're just you know they're just there until we get the the proper covers. And then no, these aren't the the finished thing. It's just they're very sparse and they're in a style which is very different to what we normally get for Doctor Who, which is not a bad thing. But I'm not a fan of them. No, I mean I'm glad that we're going to get. Apparently, we're going to get proper Target-style covers yes. next year yep. <laughs> when they release them in paperback. So next year, we'll probably get something. Um, I don't know. They just look a bit... They're not... Yeah, I don't know. They might look nice in hand, but the covers certainly aren't grabbing me uh, at the moment. I mean, they're basically the same cover for both books, but in different colours. Uh and it's just got a Dalek in the middle, and I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really a fan of the covers. What What, what about you? Do you like? I've got a feeling you might like these. Um, they're okay, yeah. Actually, yeah, they're mm. okay. It's got like a a very st- very stylized, simple. Mm. Um, it, well, I would say it's kind of a classic design. Like the font is very. Yeah, what retro. does it remind me of? Yeah, 
Um, but yeah, it's very, um, no, it's like as far away from a target cover as you can get, I suppose. Yeah. In terms of design, but uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, as for the books themselves, I'm I'm very excited because I mean I, I love Resurrection of the Daleks. I've re- I've always loved that story, um, and I like Revelation as well. Actually, when we reviewed it for the podcast, um, yeah, that's pretty good. It was yeah. better than I remembered. Uh, I actually really quite enjoyed it, mainly due to Terry Malloy's Davros. He's just so good in it. But um, but I'm I'm very excited for these books. Don't get me wrong. I really am glad that they've come out. I'm glad that Eric's done them yes. as well. Yeah. Um, he's such a dry old stick, isn't he, Eric? <laughs> I, I love him. I mean that in the nicest way. I, re- I really find him such an interesting guy. He's so He's, he's very dry. He's yeah. very dry. Um, but I'm glad that he's done them and, and that, you know, and they are finally getting novelized. So... I'll definitely pick these up. I probably will get these hardbacks, even though I'd <laughs> of course I'd probably yeah. I would rather wait to get the 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 target covers, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kinda like the fact they're uniform though. That's the thing. I think although I don't like the covers, I can imagine seeing them on the shelf because they are so similar, it's sort of quite nice to have the two. Does does that make sense? It It'd does. be quite nice yeah. to have them back to back, you know. Yeah with the similar cover. So, mm, yeah, I don't know. Slightly growing on me, the covers, but not a massive fan. Yeah. Well, there's enough of a gap in between to actually read them as well. So, Resurrection of the Daleks will be out on the 18th of July, mm-hmm. 12.99, and then Revelation will be out on the 14th of November. Oh, right. Okay. 12.99. So, you won't get them together on this shelf for a while, but at least you get a chance to read Resurrection until Revelation comes out. Yeah. And uh, Eric, he does say resurrecting <laughs> these oh. tales may turn out to be a greater revelation than you'd oh. expect old oh, eric doing yeah. his thing i can hear him saying that as yeah. well we, yeah. when we saw him in an interview <laughs> with matthew waterhouse recently at the bfi he was he's actually quite a funny guy isn't he but he talks very slowly and he's very quiet and i can just imagine <laughs> him saying that's that sort of stuff but yeah he's, he's quite a funny chap he's Got a very dry guy. sense yeah. of humor yeah very deadpan yeah Deadpan, that's the word, yeah. yeah. There we go, two two books coming up. Yeah, you'll be getting those, won't you, as well? Yeah, I'm sure. good reads, yeah. Yeah, there will be. Anyways, news and merch, done. That's it. Time for review. Yes, this has been a while coming, isn't it? Hit me. So, yeah, Fourth Doctor, very much um, in our subconscious this, this week, isn't it, with his birthday and, and the Doctor Who mag and his new novel. But we are going back to, is it 1975? Oh, is this the top this of your head, is it? This is off the top of my head, I think it's 1975. Correct, yep. For Genesis of the Daleks. Davros has created a machine creature, a monster, which will terrorise and destroy millions and millions of lives and lands throughout all eternity. He has given this machine a name. A Dalek. To hold in my hand a capsule that contains such power. To know that the tiny pressure of my thumb, enough to break the glass, would end everything. We foresee a time when they will have destroyed all other life forms and become the dominant creature in the universe. That's possible. We'd like you to return to Scarrow at a point in time before the Daleks evolve. Do you mean avert their creation? In a few weeks, we're going to change the shape of that map forever. We'll wipe the Thals from the face of Scarrow. 
Exterminate. Who is this Davros? Our greatest scientist. We believe that Davros has changed the direction of our research into something which is immoral, evil. We must keep the Khaled race pure. When victory is ours, we'll wipe every trace of the Thals and their city from the face of this land. Our battle cry will be total extermination of the Thals. Why did you come here? To stop the development of the Daleks. Why? I have seen the carnage and destruction they have caused as weapons of hate and machines of war. Exterminate! You must stop them! I will go on! You are insane, Devros! Perfect. Now <laughs> we can begin. There we go. What an awesome trailer. If that trailer doesn't get you in the mood for watching it, then... That's yeah. awesome. I love the music and everything. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I, sometimes when, you, when I can't find the official trailer, there's this one channel that always brings the goods. Mm. And I always... Rem- Sorry. Ironically, I, always, I was going to say remember. I always forget the name of the channel. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it's a really cool trailer. When I watched it earlier, I was like, I want to watch it again now. It, yeah. it, it's called um, Veritasa, Veri, Veritasarum UK. I think it's called Veri, Veritasarum UK. Yeah. Go nice. to that channel. This this channel has got so many good fan-made trailers, and that one's awesome. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Right then, let's get into this. Genesis of the Daleks. It was first yeah. out, as Adam said, 1975, between March and April. Six-parter. It was written by Terry Nation. It was overseen by Robert Holmes and directed by David Maloney. It's got a huge cast in this one. It has, yeah. And uh, the story, we all know the story, don't we? We all know the story. So uh, the Doctor is on his way uh, from Earth to the Ark, I think, or the other way around, and he gets intercepted by the Time Lords and they send him on a quest to Scaro so that he can... Uh, they don't sort of say explicitly, but he reads between the lines and basically says, you know, we want you to stop the Daleks from being such a an imposing force and slaughtering billions of lives throughout the universe. And uh, here's a ring to get back. <laughs> yeah, the time ring. The time ring. <laughs> so off they go to Scarrow, and then, yeah, the big drama unfolds between cat and mouse a little bit. And, uh, yeah, we see, as the title suggests, the genesis, the very first creation of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. So I know this is going to be a silly question, mate, but what do you think to this one? Mm. It's, well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think um, it is one that's regarded really highly. And uh, occasionally you see people say, oh, it's overrated and stuff like that. But <laughs> but I'm in the camp that absolutely loves this story. Um, I've seen it many, many times. Um, I don't get bored of it. I really do love it. I think much of that is to do with Michael Wisher's unbelievable performance as wow. Davros. Yeah. He's so good in it um and it, i just and I, I just think the overall story is great as well because obviously you know 
we've had quite a lot of Dal- Dalek stories before this, and it's very much sort of like Daleks, you know, doing what Daleks do. This gives us a totally different slant on the Daleks. It introduces Dan Frost, their creator, um, and it's just fascinating seeing sort of going back and seeing the origins of the Daleks being created and being this, you know, um, starts off with them being voice controlled by Davros and then they fit the gun and they slowly become the Daleks that we all know and love. And in the middle of this, you've got the great TARDIS team of Tom, Harry and Sarah. Um, I just think it's a brilliant story. There, there is a bit of padding that I will, I will acknowledge that because it's six episodes. I think, I think if this had been a four parter, I think it would have been absolute dynamite. I mean, it would be killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they did the edited version at one point, uh, which we saw at the BFI, didn't we? Um, That's right. And it's yeah. bizarre because when you get an edited version, there are always bits that you sort of that <laughs> you personally like that you would have kept in. So it's really difficult actually to to decide what you would cut from this. I mean, for me, I'd cut out all the bits with the clam and all that. There's a bit of sort of escape capture, escape capture goes on, which you could definitely tone down. But Overall, I think it, it it still holds my attention all the way through, even being six parts. And I think I think it's a great story. Really do enjoy it. Uh, over to you. What do you think? Yes. So, yeah, I'm not really into this one, mate. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Yes. Uh, no. I. It's it, it's one of those stories where, and I'm I'm not talking about fan hype or anything like that because they're mm. they went through a phase didn't they on the when they first released the the classic dvd of this they put a red sticker on it that says oh yeah what, number one number one's classic number one yeah, yeah something like that so it gets the fans going a little bit mm. but i i honestly believe that this is just classic doctor who gold this yeah. has got all the elements in there that just make it such a great well i mean i i can't I can't remember how many times I've watched this. This was one of the, this was the second classic Doctor Who story that I watched when I got into Doctor Who. How was it? Yeah. After Pyramids of Mars. This is the Mm. second one. And I think I've seen it and I watched this last night for the review just to refresh. And I think that has been maybe the seventh, eighth time I've watched it. Mm. So not a huge amount, but you know, more than most of the other classic stories. And every time I watch it, it feels like I'm watching it for the first time, if that makes mm. sense. It, mm. There's just little bits in there that you didn't realize were in there before, little bits of dialogue that you love and little just tiny bits. And like I said, it's just one of those things where everything comes together so, so well. It's just all the bits that make up a brilliant classic Who story. Mm. So it's written brilliantly. And there is some um, controversy around whether Terry Nation was responsible for all of it 100%. There are some people that believe that it was rewritten in a few places and uncredited and stuff like that, but that's yeah. never been proven. But it's 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 written brilliantly. The direction is really good for a static yeah. set most of the time. It is, yeah. The performances are just fantastic in their own in their own way, especially Tom and Michael Wisher. Yeah. You know, it's and yeah, and then you've got just the whole encapsulating story as well, and you've got it just all comes together, and it's brilliant. There is a bit of padding. I agree with you. There is a little mm. bit of, you know, we could have done without running around this corridor for a little while. It doesn't really move the story, 
mm. in any way, shape or form. But yeah, a huge fan of this story. And I'm not just saying that because every other fan likes it. It, it genuinely is. There's a reason why it's voted highly all the time consistently. Because it's just such yeah. a great, it's just a great watch. I never get tired of watching it. It feels very, um, it feels very gritty and adult to me as well. But but also has the, enough charm on that to be um, appreciated by younger audience. So it yeah. gets that balance just right for me in terms of it could appeal to adults and kids alike, which is quite difficult sometimes to do. I mean, there's a lot of killing in this. There's <laughs> a lot of <laughs> people getting gunned down, and but it's not done in a way that's shocking or gratuitous or there's no bloodshed or anything but but you know it's it's a very gritty production and it's the way it's filmed as well is is you know is is gritty like the the, the locations the quarry mm-hmm. and the gas masks and all the you know all the stuff in the studio they've sort of turned the lights down a bit and it's it's really well produced you know it just looks fantastic um for 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 when it was made, I think, and like you said, I've watched this loads of times. Um, I watched it again this week, so I watched three episodes on Monday, three episodes on Tuesday, right. uh, and I mean, I probably didn't need to watch it again because I've seen it so many times. But the reason I did is I thought I'm never going to remember. It's such a large cast, and uh, and you know, me and you are quite bad with names, and I thought <laughs> I've got to watch it again to try and remember everyone's names when we're going through the cast list. And even now, I'm thinking. What were they called again? Because, you know, it is a huge cast in this. Um, and like you said, everybody just seems to be on point, don't they? Everyone gives such a great performance, even if they're just a minor sort of background character mm-hmm. that gets a few lines. Everybody's just so into the story and the production. It, it just flows brilliantly, I think. It, does, it feels yeah. like a proper drama. It doesn't, you know, it, it's just in terms of its tone, it's so well produced. It does. And I think it, mm. uh, plenty of other times, when we review classic stories, there's been a few members of the supporting cast where we say things like, they were really good because you can tell that they've, they've bought into the role and they're doing it, you know, completely, 100%. They're not mm. holding back. But yet other tar- cast members, you feel like they're a little bit, probably when they got cast, they needed the job. You know, they were actors who were, you know, working actors who needed money, so they took the role. And then they thought, what the bloody hell is this? What is this crazy thing? Mm. Whereas in this story, every single cast member is just bang on, aren't they? The, the performance is for em- everybody. That's a good way of putting it, actually. Yeah, everybody into it is bought into the story. That's a really good way of saying it, actually. You do feel like everyone is just so into their role, no matter how big or small the, the part, everybody is into the into the story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. With the, the, the exception of a couple of little OTT Dalek deaths, Um, (laughs) nobody is chewing the woodwork nobody's going off you know trying to get an oscar nobody's you know it's just properly properly performed you know to the script the direction is great because they're doing you know exactly what this it's just all works you know Mm. the performance is just great and that's what sometimes you've got one or the other with classic who sometimes you've got a cracking story but then you've got people like, oh, crikey, you know, they're ridiculous performance or they're just not into it. The other way around, which is more sort of prevalent to newer Doctor Who, I would say, where you've got a pretty weak script or story, but you've got someone like Matt Smith who's just absolutely bombing along and carrying mm. it and it's really good. But you don't have to worry about with with this story. Everything's Everything is there. The whole shebang. And it all gels, doesn't it? Because I was thinking as well, one thing I forget about, 
when you know with Genesis is it's in Tom's first series. You know, he's still finding his feet as the Doctor, but he's absolutely hundred percent the Doctor, isn't he? Oh yeah. And him yeah. and him and Harry and Sarah have such great chemistry, the three of them. And so to think that this is you know Tom's first series. Um, where, where did this come in the series? Was it fourth or fifth? It's it's uh, yeah. it's not the last story, is it? Yeah, I so think it's the fourth one. I think it's the fourth one, yeah. But it's early on, you know, still early days uh, for Tom as the Doctor. Um, but you'd never know it. You'd never, you you know, you know, there is no point in this story where I'm sort of thinking, oh yeah, you can tell this is Tom's first series. He's not quite got into the character, or he's not really gelling with the companions. They feel like they've been together for ages. You know, the the sort of chemistry chemistry between the three of them, the little sort of one-liners between him and Harry, and Harry and Sarah, and it's just the way it flows is is brilliant, and mm-hmm. I must have been quite a relief for the production team at the time because you know when you cast a new Doctor, um, I think this is the series where they gave we have a lot of classic monsters, don't we? Because they you know in case the new Doctor didn't work, they thought they'll they'll have a series of classic monsters, so at least you know uh, people are tuned in not knowing how amazing Tom was going to be as the Doctor. He may not have even been cast when they made that decision, but, mm-hmm. you know, this series we get Daleks, Cybermen, uh, Sontarans, all, all in one, you know, series. Just as a sort of, it was sort of a safety thing, wasn't it? Just in case the new Doctor mm-hmm. wasn't good. But, I mean, Tom just smashes it out of the park. He really does. Yeah, he do- absolutely. Yeah, we'll come on to Tom in a bit, but... Yeah. Yeah, he just go. yeah. It's just amazing to watch. Mm. he is yeah every minute he's on screen he's just just can't take your eyes off him and they took a couple of unusual choices as well didn't they for for this one so it's one of a couple of stories i think the one before this or one after you just don't see the tardis at all do you no that's right no because like you said they get given this time ring (laughs) (laughs) which uh i remember when i was you know, when I first watched this as a kid, I don't know how old I would have been, you know, but I remember buying the VHS, the double set with a very garish, ready orange <laughs> cover. And I, I remember that's sort of first time I introduced to the time ring because I was just like, where's the TARDIS? You know, come on. And it is a strange thing. I mean, it does throw up a few comedy moments like when it gets dropped and stolen and, you know, and all that. And they, you know, they can't lose it because it's their lifeline back to the TARDIS. But it does add an extra element of danger. But um, yeah. it's, I, I mean, I, I love the TARDIS. So I would have loved to have seen it appear at the start in that quarry. Uh, but it does add something different, doesn't it? It does make it a bit different than not having the TARDIS to run back to and rely on to yeah. escape and all that. It gives it another edge. Yeah. Yeah. If I remember correctly, the VHS cover, the, the VHS2 set, it was the Centauran experiment as well, wasn't it? In the same set? It, oh, that's right. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you had um, so you had a really cool picture of a Dalek right in the middle and then Tom's face to the left and then Davros to the right. So that sort of dominates the cover. And then right at the bottom, you've just got a little Centauran popping up. Is it? I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I've, I've probably yeah. still got the VHS somewhere, but I can't. I can't quite remember. I just remember it was quite a bright cover. But I'm googling it now to see if I can. Yes, there we go. Yeah, yeah you're quite right. Is there a Sontaran on there? Let's have a look. Oh yeah, he's at the bottom. He's at the right at the bottom, isn't he? Yeah, it? So, I see. Yeah. So that yeah. that always made me laugh about the the old VHS cover for it because mm. you've got essentially the BBC selling Genesis of the Daleks. Oh, yeah. and we'll just throw Potato Head on there as well. Just so you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's in it. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, oh, no, that brings back memories. So I was in two minds about watching this either on the classic DVD that they released, mm-hmm. widespread, or the season 12 box set. And part of me wishes I'd have watched the classic DVD now. <laughs> because um, with the season 12, uh, it's not one of those stories where they've redone a bunch of visual effects like they have for some of uh, Peter Davison's era in the season yeah. 19, 19. 19 yeah. box set. And the picture quality is not hardly any different. You know, it's hardly any different to the, the classic DVDs. But the thing is, when you've got the classic DVDs, you put the DVD on, you've got a couple of copyright notices and then you're into it. You're on the menu and then bosh, away you go. Yeah. As much as I love the those Blu-ray special editions, there's so many flipping things you have to sit through. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the even, Yeah, there's loads of them. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, they do the weird BBC symbol with all the pins, the black and white thing, don't they? Yeah. That goes into it. Then they do the new uh, 13th Doctor intro for some reason. They do that thing, don't they? Showing the new Doctor Who logo. Yeah, with the little then, crystal asteroid things. And, that's it. That yeah. thing shooting through. Yeah. And then you get um, uh, and the navigation thing. Yeah. Then you get Tom saying disc four. <laughs> and then you finally I think they might I don't know if there's anything in between that, but then you finally get to the the sort of menu screen. You're like, mm. oh right, fine. Play. But yeah, I know what you mean. It does does take a while to get into it. Yeah. Yes. I did think that. It reminds me there's a family. I mean, I'm not a massive family guys fan, but my, my partner is. And there is an episode of that where he goes to cinema and he keeps thinking it's the start of the film, but it's just the intros <laughs> to, to all these idents. And it, I always think of that when I watch these things. It's quite true. <laughs> and I missed the old... Um, oh, no, it wasn't on the classic. Was it on the classic ones? You know, the two entertain little... Oh, ident- yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. on the classic ones or is that just on the modern Doctor Who? I can't remember. Anyways. It's on some classics, yeah. Yeah, anyways. That's here nor there. <laughs> here nor there it's um yeah it, i'll just mention it because we were going through some of the old covers but i'll tell you what one of my favorite covers for this is while we're on the subject of covers well, it'll be the target one i expect uh, no. No? i know i do really like the target one but um oh. they released the they released this as an audio story from the bbc radio collection oh yes which they yeah. brought out as a cassette tape believe it or not mm. for any young listeners uh, amongst you a cassette tape is uh, like an analog version of a CD, it's got physical tapes in like a plastic case, and it's rather retro now. Um, but they release it, and it's got a beautiful cover. It's essentially just Davros, sort of, and they've sort of darkened out the scene. It's all moody, and there's a, a Dalek at the bottom shooting like a laser beam out, and it's all dark and moody. It looks really nice. Yeah, yeah. So if anyone wants a cool cover, look for the BBC Radio Collection. From 1988 or 1999, sorry, 1989, take your pick. Mm. It's a beautiful cover, though. It is one of those stories that does lend itself to good covers as well, because there's so much in it, isn't there? I mean, there is so much going on yeah, that, that you could use for a cover for this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I want to note before we crack on, do you prefer the opening scene as it is, or would you have rather the toned down, less violent Terry Nation version? Um, no, I like it as it is. I mean, you, I, I think it's, um, I think it does what it's supposed to do without being, you know, gruesome. It, mm-hmm. it, it just, yeah, no, I, I prefer it how it is. What, what about you? Yeah, I like it how it is. Because yeah. you mentioned earlier that it's more of a, it feels like a more grittier, mature story. 
Yeah. Which I completely agree with. But um, the the opening scene, you know, around the quarry when soldiers are getting shot and slow motion yeah. and all that stuff. Apparently Terry Nation kicked off after the, after, so the director, David Maloney, basically said, look, this is not powerful enough to open the story. We need to grab people's attention by showing people getting shot because we were in the middle of a, what is it, a hundred year, thousand year war or something. Yeah. And um, so they redid it. David Maloney redid that bit and apparently Terry Nation wasn't very happy because he felt like it was too violent for the younger viewers watching it. I can see back in 1975, it might have been a bit like, oh, because as I said, you don't see any blood or anything, but there's something very creepy about people in gas masks and they're in this Mm -hmm. dirty quarry and there's smoke everywhere and they're like the dry Mm -hmm. ice and stuff. It's a really sort of atmospheric scene. And then they're literally getting shot in slow motion. And then something about it is very eerie. Um, And I I really like it, but I can see why perhaps back in the 70s, it might have been a bit like, oh, a bit strong for a kid's program, but. Yeah, but I wouldn't want it not to be there. I think it's. I think it's visually, it's a really good scene, and I love that opening bit as well because you get that Gallifreyan with his big old black hood, <laughs> and and the yeah. and you know and Tom and the you know that little scene between the two of them. I think is such a good start where Tom's like, you know, leave me alone, stop interfering, like mm-hmm. go away. I've 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 you know I've done you more than enough favors, and yeah. they're like uh, you know Daleks. He's like, okay, tell me more, and it's such a good scene. Brilliant, yeah. Yeah, and this kind of, but it sort of cuts from that sort of nice humorous and just giving you the lowdown of what the story's going to be to to something quite gritty. I think it works really well. Yeah, Mary Whitehouse was all over it, of course. Oh, I bet yeah. she was. Yeah. Um, but the thing I like about that though <laughs> is that how they how they continued Tom's Doctor and his dislike of the Time Lords throughout his run. Yes. Yeah. It's so it's so funny and and gritty at the same time because if we think. If we fast forward to the brain of Morbius, he's absolutely doing his nut at the beginning. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, because yeah. he thinks Sulking, the, isn't he? Yeah, he thinks the Time Lords have grounded him again to get him to do something, and they haven't. Of course, it's you know mm. completely not that at all. But he's complete. He's got the right arm, hasn't he? Yeah. And even Sarah Jane's like, "I'll sod you then. I'm, you know, I'll leave you there to sulk and go off." So I love that they continued his disdain for the Time Lords all the way through his run. Yeah, it's very I cool. Did. Yeah, yeah. I think he does have a few run-ins as well, doesn't he? Like in Deadly Assassin and and um, Key... No, not Key to Time. What's it called? The Time... What's the one where he goes back with the Sontarans? Anyway, he has a few run-ins with the Time Lords over the years, the Fourth yeah. Doctor, and it, yeah, it does work well. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yes. So what do you think about this one and being sandwiched in between... Before we get on to some cast performances and little story bits. Mm. So this is sandwiched in between some other classic Doctor Who stories, isn't it? So previous, we had the Centauran experiment mm. with the old potato heads. Now yeah. we've got the Daleks, and the next one is Revenge of the Cybermen. Yeah, yeah. So you get like a triple whammy of classic Doctor Who monsters in one series. Mm. My question to you, good sir, is would that have worked in Series 12? Series 12? 11, sorry. In series 11, mm. Chibbers was adamant that there was going to be no... Oh, I see what you mean. This is like the opposite because yeah. you've got loads yeah. of... Yeah, yeah. he was adamant. No classic monsters returning. It's been new mm. adventures and all that lot. If they flipped that on its head and they had like at least two or three stories throughout that series of bringing back these big classic... Do you reckon it would have made a difference? 
Um, it's funny, isn't it? Because oh, I think in hindsight, it, it probably would have worked. Yeah, I don't know. The thing is, I think during all the stuff we got before that, you know, in the RTD and the Moff era, the problem was that they did really overuse like Daleks and the Cybermen uh, and even the Sontarans to an extent. And, you know, with Strax and things like that, they popped up a bit too frequent. So in one sense, I think they really did need to have a rest, um, you know, for the new series. So it felt good that it was fresh, but... I don't know. With, with, with this series, with Tom, it really works. As I said, it was a bit of a safety net, you know, that they did in case the new Doctor didn't work out, which mm-hmm. they obviously, in hindsight, didn't need at all because Tom was amazing as the Doctor. But but it does work, I think. And they flow quite nicely as well. I think the Sontaran experiment is a great little two-parter that kind of gets mm-hmm. yep. forgotten, doesn't it? Because the series, you know, because it's such a strong first series. Uh, Revenge of the Cybermen... Uh, probably gets overshadowed a bit by this as well. Because that's the thing, Genesis of the Daleks is such a mammoth six-part story that really has so much great stuff in it. You know, the two stories either side do get sort of, um, not lost, but they get sort of knocked down a little bit little because bit. of it. This this is a mammoth story that kind of overshadows them. So, mm-hmm. um, And then after Revenge, actually a fourth, we have a four, a four-way whammy, I suppose, because after Revenge, it's Terror of the Zygons. Yeah, well, yeah, it would have been. I think because that was initially planned to be part of this series, wasn't it? Um, I can't remember the reasons why it got pushed into the next series. Yeah. But that would have been an incredible end, wouldn't it? What a what a run of stories. Amazing. You know, I mean, yeah. Ark in Space is great. I really like Robot as well, although it does feel a <laughs> bit of a, does feel like it belonged in the Pertwee era a little bit. But, but I, yeah, I, I like all the stories in this first series. There isn't any of them that I wouldn't happily sit through. Yeah, I was going to say... Um, this this series, what a cracking series of Doctor Who. Have we reviewed uh, the Cybermen uh, Revenge? I can't remember. Oh. Revenge of the Cybermen. I've got to look at the schedule now. I don't think we I'm have. Say so no, no, we haven't. Yeah, no. I'll be I'll be careful on what I say about it then because we um, haven't done the Ark either. So Ark in space. Yeah, we haven't done that either. So tread careful. Blimey, I was sure we'd done that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So to be, oh no, we haven't. Yeah. So we haven't done Arkham Space, and we haven't done Revenge of the Cybermen. So yeah, house <laughs> keeps them. Yeah. But anyway, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because I I feel like going from because an, another interesting thing is that I'm pretty sure that Tom's era didn't have many Dalek stories, did it? Did it only have two or three? Uh, this one, Destiny. That think, might be it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think there's only... Because although we're saying that in this particular series, there's obviously a, a few stories that feature those big classic monsters from Who, mm. we only get treated, really, to Tom facing off against the Daleks in two stories, I believe. And yeah. in this one, he doesn't actually face off against them, does he? There are no scenes where it's Tom versus a Dalek. It's just him sort of running away down of a couple of... Cor- running away down a couple of corridors... But it's mainly about him facing off against Davros. Yeah, you know? and I think that's the thing. That's one of the things I really like about this is I, I love the stuff between the Doctor and Davros. I mean, it really does make the story for me. I, it's so intelligent in the way it's written. It's not just the Doctor having a fight with a villain, and it's not. It's it's two really intelligent people 
sitting down having a conversation that are on totally opposite sides of the coin. And I, I tell you, I, there are certain scenes that I just can't, you know, when I'm watching this, I'm waiting for them to, to pop up on screen. Mm-hmm. And one of them is that scene with the doctor and Davros where after he's been, you know, finished interrogating the doctor, Davros says to him, stay a while, talk as scientists, man, you know, and I, I it's just superb. You know, and I remember when uh, in the Capaldi story, is it the, the witch is familiar and whatever um, there, I think they sort of tried to do that again. And I remember thinking they didn't quite get it. It, it, it almost worked because I thought, oh, this will be interesting to see Capaldi's doctor with Davros. This will be yeah. if they sort of, you know, they don't need to mimic the same scene, but if they have that same respect between the two characters and the just showing that actually they're both very intelligent then we've got a great scene here. And I remember thinking they didn't quite, it didn't quite work. Uh, um, I can't, it's a while since I watched that, but they almost get there. And then, but the doctor kept coming out with silly, quirky lines to Davros. And I just thought, no, you're killing it. Whereas in this, the doctor and Davros are both on the same level and they actually, you know, discuss things like adults. It's like, you know, there's none of this sort of silly, you know, childish writing that we get in the new series. It's just showing that they're both, on the same level, but different sides of the coin. And I, I love it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that scene. And I, I wish it sort of went on longer in a way, because the doctor finally turns off his life support, doesn't he? It says, you know, mm-hmm. make the command. And I think, oh, no, I'd have liked it if they'd have just chatted <laughs> a bit longer, but, you know, got the tea and biscuits out and stuff. But, <laughs> but it's a great scene, and it's not something you get very often, is it? It's not normally the doctor just finds the baddie, defeats them. There's, you don't normally have these quiet scenes where they actually just sit and talk. And, mm-hmm. you know, Daphros is explaining why he thinks he's right. And the doctor's saying, well, you're wrong. And it's, I think it's brilliant. It's one of the things that really ups the story in terms of my ranking of it is just how intelligent it is in its writing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I think that the way that Terry Nation, um, I didn't. I don't think he took the focus away from the Daleks, but in a way, because they they could have very easily made this into a a typical, the Daleks are after us, mm. and it is kind of like that in the last couple of episodes, especially episode six, I suppose, when yeah, you know, the Daleks have been cut loose, if you like, and they're off to you know destroy everybody. But the because Terry Nation focused it pretty much all of it on Davros. This whole story is about Davros, really when it comes to it, because he's mentioned very early on, you know, when he gets captured um, by the, by the Khaleds at the beginning, and then they transfer him over to the science building, whatever. So Davros can question him and all the rest of it. He's mentioned early on. And then he's in pretty much every, he's in a large portion of every episode pretty much, isn't he? Mm. And it's all about his mindset and his insanity and his, just ruthlessness and so on. It's all about that stuff. It's all about, well, because if you boil it down to its most simple form, yes, it's just about a, a crazy scientist dude who, you know, it, it, uh, does crazy tests on people to sort of evolve them into this killing machine. Mm. But, you know, if you dive into it a bit more than that, it's about all of his craziness and all of his just, I wouldn't say he's evil because he's tr- he thinks he's doing things for the right reasons, doesn't he? He, he? In his own mind, he thinks he's creating these Daleks because nobody's able to oppose them. I'm never sure if he's... I was going to say, yeah, I'm never sure if he's evil or if he started off with good intentions, but just somehow 
just lost his way and gone a bit mad. I've never, you're never sure with Davros because there's that bit where the doctor says, you know, if I gave you a capsule that could wipe out an entire life force just by crushing it, whatever, would you do it? And Davros is, you can see he's suddenly he's sort of gone to the dark side, isn't he? He's, he's thinking, yes, power over life and death in my hands. Yeah, that's exactly you know, it. And then it, yeah. I mean, that is such a great scene again, you know, and it's so you can sort of see that actually he's a little bit, um, would you say he's a little bit sort of schizophrenic maybe? Cause he's, he's intelligent. He's got the means to be good, but he's mm-hmm. somehow, like I said, gone a bit, he's gone a bit sinister, isn't he? He's, he's, he's lost the plot a little bit somewhere along the lines and he's just, yeah, I think it's this thing of power. It's just taking over his mind, which makes him very unpredictable, you know, Absolutely. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. He's, he, he thinks in his own mind that he's creating these Daleks because he wants, well, on the face of it, he wants to just bring the war to an end. He wants mm. peace. But in order to do that, he needs to win the war in order to, you know, so he thinks that the Daleks will be unopposed because they're so powerful yeah. and all that stuff. But then as the story goes on, he does, he does grow into this sort of monster, if you like, because he's now got to the point where, okay, the Daleks are, you know, doing what I wanted them to do. You know, the whole scene with the voice commands and and all that stuff. He can control them. But then he gets to the point where, actually, Doctor, you've given me a great idea here. You know, maybe I could develop this virus that will kill everything. And, you know, maybe I could do that. And he's realised, hasn't he, that that this machine that he's built that could, you know, uh, carry on the the life force of this race is actually could be turned into one of the most powerful machines in the, in the universe. And it's suddenly that power that's gone to his head of it's taken him to the next level, isn't it? So what started out as a sort of saving a race has mm-hmm. turned into being the ultimate race, you know, yes. c- of yeah. control. And it's just that, that he's just, he, it's the power that he suddenly realized he's got in his hands. Yeah. He just can't control. Uh, uh, yeah. And this, this is what leads back, I think to such a great, foundation for the script because mm. um it's it's common knowledge that that terry nation based all of this stuff on the second world war and the rise of hitler and the nazis and stuff yeah, and there's a you lot definitely see that can't absolutely you? Yeah. there's a lot of parallels between the the Khaleds and davros and hitler and the nazis and stuff so mm. because it's grounded in such a um a, a powerful but an awful story you know and all that it, it just has so much weight to it mm. that then it's just you know, it's how do how do you tweak that to make it a, an enjoyable science fiction show? So, it, in a way, it, it does have a very dark undertone. Oh yeah, yeah. Like a, a lot of classic Who does at time to time, it does have mm. a very darkness to it because you also have the moral dilemma that the Doctor finds himself in as well. You know, the oh, classic another scene, great scene. Yeah, you know, do I have the right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he's got everything wired up. He's ready to do it, mm. and. Um, surprisingly you've got sarah jane who's really up for it she's like yeah i know yeah she's like do it man do it you've got to do it yeah <laughs> um <laughs> oh that is yeah. an amazing scene yeah that's like the that's one, another yeah. one i keep thinking oh it's coming up it's the bit where he's got the wires yeah. is coming up there's so many scenes like that i love and there's another scene where davros is lurking in the shadows when nida tricks uh ronson i think it is into mm-hmm. revealing all the names he's like thank you that's exactly what I needed to know. Oh, he switches. appears yeah. out of the darkness. I think all these little scenes are just so many that I just sit there thinking, oh, this bit's coming up. Oh, this bit's coming up. Oh, this is a great bit. There's so many moments in this this yeah. story like that. Um, and it, you're right. It is very much a Davros story 
uh, well, it is, it is a Dalek origin story, but yeah, you're right. Davros takes the, the lead in this, and I think that's great because he's so good in it. Mm-hmm. But but I do consider it a fantastic Dalek story oh, because yeah. Yeah. because they're so early on in their creation, and they're still um, uncontrollable. Really, the Davros is trying to work how to control them makes them very dangerous, mm-hmm. and you really feel that, don't you? You sort of. You know, I mean, at the end, when they turn on Davros, because he hasn't quite got it right and all that, they're very um, unpredictable, these Daleks. They're, they're, they're very early on in their sort of mentality and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's it's brilliant, I think. They are really scary in it. Like, you know, when people are hiding from them, you think, uh, you know, you genuinely feel the fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the bunker scene where they're just, you can see the shot of them going over the top of the screen and they're hiding in the bunkers from them. It's, they are really well... Yeah, uh, yeah. utilised in this story of the Daleks even though like you said uh, Davros pushes the story forward but I think it's a great Dalek story it's awesome yeah. yeah I mean it just like I said earlier it gets all of those things really correct and they also build upon the 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 story that runs through the six parts if you like so the, the overall story if you like which is the Great War which they're trying to win And but the thing I like about it is they inject these little sub stories as well so you've got the kind of paranoia between davros and nida and those guys and mm. then you've got like the science um uh the, well yeah the scientists you know they've got their own agenda the, some of them think that what davros is doing is immoral and terrible yeah um, and then you've got some of them that are on board with davros and some of them are not and then you've got some of them trying to trick the other ones you know it's just a there's a whole extra layer of stuff going on do you know, it, it, there's a bit at the end, I mean, considering how many times I've seen this, there was a bit at the end, which uh, I probably have noticed it before, but it just jumped out at me this time, um, which I absolutely loved. And it comes back to just what you were just saying about different layers of characters in this. There's a bit when Davros is saying, who's going to join me? And a, like one or two, you know, cross the room to yeah. his side. And he's like, is that all? And then he says to one of them, um, something about mending his heart. He goes, you were dying and I gave you a new valve in your heart or something. Are you now going to turn that heart against me? Yeah, I thought, blimey, yeah. just in that one line, we've got a whole story there of like, and it, it shows how brilliant Davros is as a scientist or whatever. And, mm-hmm. but how, you know, how he has done good things. He saved that man at some point and what had done whatever he did to his heart and what a great line and it just as i said i've probably have noticed it before but it really jumped out at me on the rewatch last night i thought god what a great line are Mm -hmm. you going to turn that heart against me that i saved and oh amazing stuff just little bits like that whole backstory there in like one line yeah it's great and davros is one of those characters that really he's got such a great mind as well not just as a scientist but how he turns the people against themselves as well. So he goes off to the the tribunal, whatever oh, it is, right. you know, yeah, yeah. gives them the formula underhandedly yeah. to sort of start attacking because he knows that when they start attacking, that then gives him a reason to start letting the Daleks loose. Mm. So he's it's all there. I mean that, yeah. The the writing is is brilliant. I'm not talking about the script, but just the story ideas and the little bits that they injected in there. Yeah. So in a way, you can kind of excuse the padding over six episodes. Although oh, definitely, it, it doesn't bother me at all. No. I just yeah. Yeah. Although it's there and you're aware of it, it it kind of makes sense in a bigger, in 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 the bigger picture, so to speak. Mm. It's really and, cool. uh, just you saying about the writing as well. Davros is written so 
clever in this as well as being a bit bonkers and 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 evil and all of that stuff that we get to see in other stories from Davros he's so intelligent in this story mm-hmm. you know he's so much more than just the megalomaniac that i mean as as the stories go on he does become a little bit crazy we kind of lose a little bit of that i think in some you know even stories that i absolutely love like remembrance of the daleks when davros appears in that He's kind of just a shouting, screeching. He's a bit, he's gone mad, mm-hmm. you know, and we see elements of that in this. And I, I don't think it's a problem because you can probably, you can probably argue that over time he just got worse and worse and worse. Um, but in this, he does have those moments of madness, but he's also got those moments of quiet and just really clever calculating. You can almost sort of hear the cogs clicking in his head. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's written so well. But I, I love the fact that he, when he does start losing it, and this is another thing that's so clever in this story, when Davros starts losing his chisel, he starts turning into a Dalek, doesn't he? So he goes from being Davros to obey, obey, and his voice <laughs> goes up and he sounds like a Dalek. And I just think it's so well done, you know, that it, when he starts to really lose his mind, that he goes into being a Dalek, mm-hmm. which is what he's created. And again, it's just a real clever bit of writing or or performance whatever you want to put it down to um i mean i love davros in other stories as well but i just don't think he was ever written better than he is in this story he's so his character is so defined and brilliant yeah in this story absolutely i think they did bring it a little bit back to this original way that he is when russell t davis wrote him in uh what was it uh, stolen earth stolen earth yeah because mm. in, in that story he's not so crazy with it he has got a bit of a calculated plan even though it's flawed from the beginning because he's in cahoots mm. with Dalek Khan <laughs> that's right yeah who is mad <laughs> yeah so it is flawed but he does have a calmness in that story in a similar way that he has in this one mm. I, I need to yeah. watch I haven't watched uh, Destiny of the Daleks for some time and I I just don't remember the performance standing out anywhere near this but I, it's a long time since I watched it and I can't have we reviewed that one because <laughs> uh, no no I, I just, yeah. I mean, when I think of Genesis of the Daleks, I think of Davros, and I just automatically remember what a great performance it is. I, I can't remember how he's written in Destiny. I need to revisit that, but it's, it's certainly not up there with this. I'm sure of that. No, I don't think so. No, we'll no. we'll get round to that if we haven't done it. Yeah, no, we will. Yeah, but yeah, it's just he's so so amazing on screen in this. From every minute he's on screen, it's just so engaging. Yeah, no, I agree, mate. Uh, talk about some characters in the story then, because there's a yeah. couple of standout ones that are really good. Uh, I thought that the... Uh, well, they're all good in this, but there's a couple of standouts for me would be... Um, who's the uh, the scientist guy that first starts to quiz um, the Doctor? He's in the white suit, he's got the white hair, and he's I, the... Ronson. Ronson. You talk about the guy that's um, sort of starting to get a, a gang together and the, yeah the white is the one that gets obliterated at the end isn't it it's really has a really long death doesn't he yeah, that's right that, yeah that's the one you mean isn't is it, it? Ronson? yeah ronson yeah so he's he's the guy that sort of shows a bit of compassion so when davros is doing the very first demonstration of the daleks and he mm. and then he transfers complete control over to them it turns on the doctor and 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 sarah jane is it and, yeah. and he runs over and disables the switch and Davros kicks off at him. It's, that, that's, that is that another guy. great scene, isn't it, as well? Yeah, how 
dare you interrupt how dare you interrupt this experiment yeah you'll suffer for this but that's brilliant because uh, i thought he gave a great performance um so who's the actor i hope we're getting the name right because i i tell you i really struggle with the amount of cast uh so i think it's james uh garbutt i I believe um gives a great performance because he's got that he's not evil but he's doing his job but he he just has got that compassionate side to him as well where he's sort of sensing that actually what they're doing is not right he thought it was but no actually he's realized that things are going uh, a bit um off the boil Uh, and when he steps in and saves the doctor in that scene i think it's brilliant davros is absolutely furious (laughs) um but you can see the terror in his face i think he acts it really well you know, yeah. he's just like, no, I need to question them more. They could be valuable and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, I, I really liked him. And, he, he, you know, from that moment onwards that he sealed his fate <laughs> because you just think, oh, yeah. he's going to he's going to get it for that. And he really does, doesn't he? Like when Davros, that's the other thing. Davros just doesn't shoot him there and then he simmers for another good couple of episodes thinking, right, you know, he plots. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly when he's going to let him get his comeuppance. And then when he delivers it, it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. James Garbutt's still with us as well. I think he's 93. Is he? Something like that. Yeah, he's still yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, I thought his performance was great though. Really I'm just good. trying to, yeah, I hope I've got the right name. I'm sure it was Ronson. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Siri tells us his friends. Yeah, I'm sure I'm just looking at the, the plot. I'm sure it was him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also really liked uh, Garmin, played by uh, Dennis Chinnery. Yes, he looked really familiar, actually. He was, uh, he sure was in all the usuals before. Is he one of the, yeah, Zed cars, I should imagine. <laughs> Zed cars, the Saint, the Avengers, the yeah. Prisoner. Um, he was in all of it. Yeah. Oh, the Prisoner, that would yeah. be where I know him from. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was really good. He, he mm. kind of leads a little bit of an uprising towards the end, doesn't he? He rallies all of the... Um, the, the remaining scientists, the military folk, to sort of have this ult, give this ultimatum to Davros. Yeah, know, and he's he, he's strong in mind and stuff. And he's a very strong character, even though he gets rumbled and captured and stuff. He, um, I thought his just performance was really good, quite intense. There's a quite a few intense mm. performances, isn't there? Yeah, in this one, but he, I think he nailed it as, as along with um, with James Garbutt. Yeah, yeah. There were three. I mean, there were three. He stood out. Uh, Ronson stood out, and there was the guy. And um, again, I'm not sure of the name. That the other guy in the white suit I kept thinking he looked a bit like a young Paul Weller. <laughs> I don't know oh, what his name was. Yeah. He was very good. There's a bit where he goes up to a guard with a sort of um, baton behind his back. And, yes. Yeah. And, and all that. I uh, wish now, do you know which character that I was? It's Serbin maybe. I don't know. I tried so hard to remember everyone's names and of course they've all gone, but he was very good as well. Those three, just the way they were conspiring behind Davros's back and all <laughs> that was just, they really played it well. Yeah. I thought those guys. Yeah. Uh, the other guy who I thought was really good, um, was the Muto that sort of befriends Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, again, no idea what his character name <laughs> is, unfortunately. But um, no, um, I just thought he gave a a, a great performance, and because he kind of saves her life, doesn't he? Because the other Mutos are ready to kill her, and that's right, yeah. And then they stick together, even when it takes them five years to climb up the scaffolding. Oh, that the rocket. rocket. Yeah. When we, when we talk about padding and that's another bit that, yeah, yeah, unfortunately you could put in that category of bit too much padding there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great cliffhanger though. When Sarah Jane falls off and it frees frames. Oh, yeah. uh, so yeah. It's kind of a bit of a shame about the resolution actually, because it's tied up pretty quickly, <laughs> but, but it's a great cliffhanger that, isn't it? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. 
what about um, Raven then? You know the the uh, the Khaled sort of military leader who's very shouty, Guy Sinner. Guy Sinner, Sinner, yeah. Um, I think it's Sinner, yeah. Uh, Well, yeah, I always think, I just can't see him as anything (laughs) other than the character from A Lower Low. A Lower Low, yeah. Hello, (laughs) René. But um, he does suit the part great, I think. Um, I I always think he's in it more as well. He seems to disappear Mm. after two episodes, doesn't he? What happens to him? Well, he's I in it. Think. Yeah, he does. He is in it up to the end. He is in is the he? last episode. He um, I only watched this last night. Um, yeah, yeah. He just doesn't. He's, he's, I always think he's in it more because he's so prominent in that first scene when he meets the doctor when he's like, "Take a good look." You know, we're going to reshape this map, and you sort of think, "Uh oh," you know, this guy's going to be trouble. Um, but we, after that sort of initial scene, we don't get to see him do that much. I think it's a real shame actually because he's he is good. Yeah. Is it the last episode he's in or episode five? I can't remember, but Davros basically gives him a list of stuff and says, That's right. Know, I need all of yeah. it. And he, yeah. Yeah. He's not a fan of Davros, you can tell, but he's following the cause. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But he is good. I mean, he's quite shouty. It's a good scene between him and the doctor at the start there when he's really sort of laying his authority down and stuff. But yeah, yeah, the doctor, that's what I love about it is he's really going for it. Thinking the doctor will knuckle under, but the doctor being the doctor just kind of ignores him. Doesn't he kind of doesn't show any fear at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I thought the time Lord at the beginning was a good yes. little scene. Yes. Love that scene. Actually. John Franklin Robbins. John Franklin Robbins rolls yeah. off the tongue. Yeah. He was good. Wasn't he? Yeah. Kind of the pompous. Mm hmm. Time Lord that we sort of get from this sort of era. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And they again, they could have easily gone down the Doctor, there is a big threat amongst the universe. You must. It, it wasn't like that at all. It was that very smirky kind of, mm. yeah, I know you're going to back chat, but you're going to do it anyway, so. Because I love the bit when the Doctor <laughs> says, oh, well, give me the coordinates and I'll I'll go there then. And he's like, no, you're already here. That's Goodbye. brilliant, that And bit. I thought, oh, that's really good. Isn't yeah. that cool? And he's like, you're yeah. already here, so crack You're on. already here. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Okay, what about uh, NIDA, Peter Miles? Absolutely. Oh, gosh, I love NIDA. And what a, what a strange but brilliant performance from Peter Miles. He's so odd, yeah. but so creepy. And I love NIDA. And he's, I love the fact that he's always at Davros's side as well. He's just always yeah. there. You just know... <laughs> you just wouldn't trust him. He, I just love how he's always lurking in the corridors as well, listening behind walls, you know, and there's that scene when the doctor's like, open that safe. And he's like, no, only Davros has the code. He's like, no, Davros couldn't reach that. You're <laughs> always at his side. It's obviously you. And yeah, uh, yeah. he's so good in it. He, he's brilliant actually. And the way he delivers his lines, it's just bizarre, isn't it? But it works a hundred percent works, you know, like what shall I do with this? They're just you know, just so yeah. I don't know, so weird, but brilliant. And I liked his um the scene where he's with um uh Garmin and he's got a little smile on his face and you, you do question yourself, you think, is he being genuine here? Mm. You know, when he tries to uh sort of portray that he's against Davros and he wants yeah. to join the rebellion sort scene. of thing. Yeah, and um He's got a smile on his face and everything. And then when he gives him the names, he just switches instantly. And he's like, Mm. thank you. Yeah. And then (laughs) Bosch, they're all over him. He's really good in this. Brilliant. Shall I kill him? No. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's, uh, yeah. I I think he, he is just, he works so well in contrast to Davros. I I think he's, he's just so creepy. 
Um, great performance from Peter Miles. Yeah, yeah, very, very cool. Again, there's so many scenes that I look forward to seeing when he's on screen. Like, oh, he's going to say it in a minute. He's going to do that line, like, thank you. <laughs> you know, and all that. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's a shame yeah, we lost is... Peter last year, didn't we? We did. I know, yeah. sad. I had a, had a lovely um, chat with him at the John Pertwee Memorial Day in Wimbledon. I just, this, this will sound ridiculous, but we just happened to end up in the VIP bar by mistake. Me and my friend, we genuinely. By mistake. Wanted it. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it was. Honestly, we <laughs> went upstairs because we were told to go, but we went into the bar and he was in there and we didn't even realize until we weren't asked to pay for our drinks. We thought, oh, that's a bit strange. Uh, and then we realized that it was it got like, you know, the celebrities in there. And we were chatting to Peter Miles for ages and he was such a nice man. He really was. And he was a bit like Tom Baker. He had some great stories as well. I can't remember what he was telling me about now. Some film he'd been in. And anyway, he was he was charming and and a lovely man. Yeah. And we sadly lost him last year. But he yeah. had a lot of lot of people had so many nice things to say about him. Mm-hmm. And he was yeah. modelled on somebody from the war as well. There were two of them. So Davros and, and Nida. They mm-hmm. were they were modelled on specific characters from the Nazis. And I can't remember the name of who Nida was modelled on, but because did you notice in the first few episodes he had a, a cross, an iron cross on his Yeah, I noticed uniform. that, yeah. And then they dropped it as they got through filming because I, I think it was a bit too far in terms of symbolising. I wondered that because I've never really noticed that before and I just wondered if it's because I was watching the Blu-ray that it, it in you know, in height in the picture or something because I did, I did notice that early on, yeah. Oh, uh, Heinrich Himmler, he was modelled on. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Which is pretty cool, and then Davros, I think, was on modelled on some crazy German scientist that did nasty experiments in concentration camps and stuff. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, Terry Nation just nailed every <laughs> every reference and stuff. But Peter Miles, especially, he's just got that cold-hearted, you know, ruthless to the end, um, and he's cunning as well. He's a crafty little one because yeah. he escapes, doesn't he? So he's quick as well. So when they, the mm. um, when the doctor and Sarah Jane and uh, and Harry capture him and they're about to question him, something else happens in the scene and like a, a whip it up a drain pipe. He's like gone. He's gone. Yeah, yeah he does yeah. it a couple of times. He's a crafty little one. There's a, there's a great bit. It's somewhere near the end of the episode, uh, near the story end of episode six. When I forget what it is, he he gives this really nice evil smirk i think um it's a, just before ronson gets killed i think he knows it's coming and there's a line and he just looks in absolute glee in his face and then immediately shuts back to being serious and i just thought yeah you just it's all going on in the face you know what i mean you just mm-hmm. you know that he's just yeah evil to the core yeah. neither yeah. yeah you know so we've spoken about michael wisher then just an outstanding performance absolutely yeah. incredible performance from him i mean he's wearing all that mask and latex and yet he's delivering a, a standout performance as, as Davros so he's incredible in it the the way he goes from being intelligent to insane to you know talking with the doctor and just the way he delivers the performance is is, is unbelievable I, I just absolutely amazing yeah. it's such a shame that we lost Michael Wisher because obviously in in the following Dalek story um Destiny uh, we get um uh, David Wisher? No, it's... no, that's not right. <laughs> this is Michael Wisher. Who do we get? I've forgotten his name. Is it Terry, anyway, Terry Malloy? No, not, no, no, no. It's not. It's uh, David Goodison, isn't it? David Goodison, who gives a good performance, but it's no, you know, no disrespect to him, but um, 
for me, this is the ultimate performance of Davros. And I love Terry Malloy as Davros as well. I think he is superb, especially in Resurrection and Revelation. But um, but for me, this is the standout performance of Davros. Michael Wisher just he just gets every emotion mm-hmm. uh, yeah. from Davros as well. Um, one thing I did notice that I've never noticed before is his little blue light goes out. <laughs> I don't know if the bulb went yeah. or if they <laughs> forgot to or if he forgot to switch it on in the suit. But I noticed about halfway through the story that because he's it's lit out of blue for a lot of the time. And then yeah. it's just, yeah, it's just not switched on for the rest of the story. And I kept I kept waiting for it to sort of I thought, oh, maybe it's just switches on when he's going mad. But it doesn't. <laughs> well, and in I episode thought, two, it flashes. It sort yeah. of comes on and off intermittently. But then after that, it's just, yeah, the bulb's gone, mate. I'm just surprised I didn't notice it earlier. I've never noticed that before. Yeah, it's weird. But no, <laughs> yeah. you're right. Yeah, David Goodison after this. Um, but Michael Wisher, crikey Moses. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's difficult to comprehend how you would play a character like this. Mm. Because all you're going, because you've obviously got a great script in front of you, which is why he took the part in the first place, I suppose. You've got this really good script. But then it's really down to... David Maloney, the director, to to get that performance out of you. Mm. But the thing I like about Michael Wisher is that his intensity level doesn't dip at all throughout the entire story. Mm. So mm. even like those long days, I suppose, because he's in it a lot, an awful lot. So even those long days of filming where, like you said, he's behind all the makeup and the mask and stuff, he's just still like nonstop foot on the gas from start to finish it's just incredible to watch it's such a joy to watch and it's amazing isn't it because there's no movement in that mask apart from the mouth the rest of it you know the eyes don't move it is just a solid latex mask so to to be able to convey the amount of emotion and and the performance he gives is is quite incredible really because think about it is it it's all in the body language because there's there's nothing facially apart from the mouth you know, right. if you think yeah. about the scene where he's saying, you know, um, that would set me up above the gods, you know, it's it's all in the voice and the body and because mm-hmm. there's nothing from the mask at all. And I, I just think incredible to give that performance under, under. I mean, the mask looks great. I'm not saying it really does, but yeah. there's no yeah. movement in it. You know, this is yeah. early days. It's, it's, you know, it's all him. It's just all in his voice and body language, giving that performance. Yeah. And the, the, yeah. my only criticism and this is nothing to do with Michael Wisher at all. It's more about the production, really. Mm. Is the anticlimactic moving of switches on his little console? <laughs> yeah, there's a. I think it, that's more down to the special effects department because they'd have had like a cool little buzz or a sound or something. Because there's a few scenes where his his hand really slowly goes towards the switch. Yeah, and then he's got this sort of over exaggerated like. You yeah, know, I like, see what you mean. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. then the, but yeah. then it, it's just silent. So if they'd have put like a little sound effect in there, it would have. But yeah, I, I love his I love his tapping <laughs> finger as well. The anxiety. Yeah, you know, because that I I don't know if that was in the script or if that's just some little mannerism that he's brought to the part himself. But it's good because it's such a simple, just the tapping of the finger on his. It shows <laughs> his sort of underlying anxiety and and the stress. You know, it's like he's all calm as a cucumber you know laying out the rules but underneath he's simmering isn't he mm-hmm. waiting just yeah. that well, I'm gonna get you sort of <laughs> it's just a real simple little thing and I love it every yeah. time I see him tapping his little finger I think uh oh Davros is on the edge again 
Yeah. No, I read it's just it's one of the best performances in Doctor Who. Mm. It's really is up there with one of the best. It really is. Oh, I'd agree. I think he's superb in it. Yeah. What about our TARDIS team then? Yeah. Sarah Jane and Harry. Well, I love this TARDIS team. I, I wish good, we'd had it? more. Yeah. yeah, I really wish we'd had more because I think they work so well together, these three. I mean, Tom and Liz are brilliant together when it, you know, when it does become just the two of them. They, mm-hmm. they really, they're such a great TARDIS team. But but I, I do like having Harry there and I think he, he doesn't feel like a spare part to me. I think he's a great character. Um, he gets stuck in. He's... There's some great scenes between him and the Doctor as well, because I think the Doctor sometimes gets a bit irritated by Harry, um, but then he sort of has to acknowledge at times that if Harry wasn't there, he'd probably be dead, because Harry does save his life, you know, and, and things like that. But the comedy between the three of them as well, uh, the camaraderie maybe is perhaps a better word, um, is just brilliant, I think. I think they just, they all deliver a great performance. They're all really likeable. Um and I just think they're a great TARDIS team. I kind of wish we'd got more of the three of them uh, yeah. in the following season rather than just Terror of the Zygons. But, you know, there we are. I was going to say, he jumps on the train, doesn't he, in Terror of the Zygons. He doesn't even go yeah. back in the TARDIS. He's just, oh, see you later. Yeah, um, I can't remember the reasons for Harry leaving, um, for for EMR to leaving. I can't remember what, you know, whether it's his choice or, or why he left or whatever. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's a double-edged sword because I love Tom and... Um, Liz together when it's just the two of them. I think they are fantastic. But yeah. but yeah, it's nice. It's a nice series, this, I think, with the three of them. It's I think cool. it works really well. Yeah. yeah, it does. And I like, like I said earlier, I like Sarah Jane's very over-the-top, do it, do it. It's almost mm. like when someone's downing a pint, you know, she's right next to you, do yeah, it, yeah. do it. <laughs> He's yeah. really up for it. So, yeah, no, I think yeah. they work really well. And the opening scene where the Doctor land, uh, treads on the mine accidentally and Harry's... um putting the little oh, rocks yes. underneath and he's quite firm with the doctor. I think he needs that from time to time. Well, he's 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 clever as well, isn't he? That's what I like about Harry. They when the doctor's setting the explosives and stuff like that and Sarah Jane's like, "Well, what's he doing in there?" and he's like, oh, "I don't know. He should have yeah, he should have done it by now." And old girl and all this sort of thing. <laughs> but he's a I think he is a nice rounded character, Harry. Yeah. Um right. I do like him, Marta. But yeah, I just love the TARDIS team. I think they're great together these three. Yeah. And they all get little bits to do as well. I mean, I think the Doctor sort of, you know, takes the forefront in this, but they they do get nice little moments in this, the three of them. Yes. Mm. Yeah, they do. And Tom then? I think Tom's exceptional in this. He's so good in it. I think you said earlier about him being flawless um, in his performance. He just absolutely is the Doctor. Uh, there's no moment where I think, oh yeah, he probably, you know, probably wouldn't have done that in his second series, or he's being a bit over the top there. And it's way before Tom started adding his own little ad libs in, as far as I'm aware. So yeah, yeah. his performance is just absolutely on the nail. Uh, the scenes with Davros, Michael Wishard, uh, floor me. They're just brilliant. I uh, just, yeah, just superb, absolutely. Yeah. Superb. In terms of the way that they act them out and deliver the lines, it's incredible. No, I agree, mate. It's um, he's just, like you said. He's just he nails it. He's just on. He hits every beat, every, every scene beat, that he's yeah. in, isn't he? Yeah. Whether he's got these lovely little. There's the one of my favourite scenes, and it's only a tiny scene, is when he's talking to either Harry or Sarah, and um, he sort of turns. I think it's Harry who turns him and says something like, 
this is where the fun begins. Or, you know, we're just getting st- something like that. And he's got a really big grin on his face. Yes. Yeah. I can't remember exactly the words he says, but along the lines of, you know, this is where the fun starts sort of thing. It's and they start, yeah, it's just beginning. Yeah. And they've already been through the mill already, but you know, he's just up for it at that point, you know, and, and he's got a great mix of like, um, sadness and jubilance. It's, it's just, everything's there. It's just Tom, isn't it? In a nutshell. And, uh, it's hard to believe really it's his first series. I mean, he's just flying straight away. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it seems like when he's, um, saying, you know, the famous scene of him holding the two wires and he's, you know, he's all there ready to go and he set it all up, but then he's that last minutes of conscience of, well, actually, if I got the right to kill off this entire race, I mean, who am I? You know, he says, doesn't he? It makes me as bad as Davros, surely. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I can go through with it, but delivered just to perfection. Um, yeah. And along with the humour, along with the serious scenes, when he thinks that uh, Harry and Sarah have been blown up on that rocket, he's really sort of going, you know, when he's trying to launch himself towards the, the to save them and all that, you know, he's, the action scenes, the humour, it's just everything. Like you you said it perfectly, hits the beat every time. Mm-hmm. He's, he's fantastic in it. Yeah. yeah. No, he is. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you and I could talk about Genesis for so much longer. Mm. so much longer but we're going to wrap it up here is there anything you want to mention before we move on to scores I personally want to mention Dudley Simpson's score yes very yeah. creepy and well suited really love his his music in this one yeah yeah I, I'd, I was just going to say the two last things that I'd got on my list were um, that I thought it was very well directed by David Maloney and uh, and I thought the music was was great in it um, Dudley I always loved Dudley's score um, I, I don't think I've watched a story yet where I think he hasn't just done a beautiful score. I mean, it might happen, but so far I, I always enjoy Dudley's music. And the, the scenes when the Daleks come in the room, he has this sort of tinny, mm-hmm. uh, sort of marching score, and it, it's perfect. Um, so, yeah, the music and the direction I thought were great in this. Um, production by Philip Hinchcliffe, production-wise, it's superb. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit jarring when they cut from location to studio i'll admit that but that's of the era and it and it still i think works really well um so production wise direction wise music performance everything's bang on in this for me yeah, yeah. and a great yeah. script and a yeah. great script. i know you said earlier about there was talk of um perhaps terry had a bit of help with the script that was uncredited i do get the feeling that might be true um <laughs> But I do think it's a great script and it's witty, it's it's clever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, yeah, it's just overall brilliant. <laughs> Indeedy. No, I concur, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Right, scores then. I think it's me to go first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to give this a 9.5. Ooh. Okay. Uh, I've gone with a 9. Okay. Um, a 9 out of 10. I think it's excellent. I've only really knocked a point off... Um, for a bit of padding and uh the scene with the clams um the first one isn't too bad actually because the clams often get mentioned as oh they're terrible oh yeah the first yeah. the first one's not that bad because the scenes the light is quite low it's the second time we see them where they're just static actually i'm surprised that must be a time thing you know i I'm, think th- so. th- i'm yeah. surprised they just didn't have somebody moving it because they're acting as if they're coming towards them mm-hmm. But they they are just literally a static prop, and I'm thinking I'm I'm surprised no one's sort of giving them a nudge mm-hmm. just out of shot there, <laughs> make giving some movement because they literally don't move. And I think the doctor says something like, 
oh, they're a bit slow or something. But I'm thinking, slow? They're absolutely not. So little bits like that, um, I'll have to knock a point off for a little bit of padding. But otherwise, yeah, it's a strong nine for yeah. me. Nine out of ten. Yeah, it's, it's almost a ten for me. Um, do I have any other little favourites within Classic Who? Yes, I do have a couple of other ones. But is this just pure joy for watching Classic Doctor Who? Absolutely. It's yeah. just so enjoyable. Such a good watch. Everything's there. There's just a couple of little niggly bits that you would expect, but otherwise, there's, there's a reason why this is always voted in the top three, at least, if not the top story. So um, I agree mm. with all the other floods of sheep. <laughs> yeah, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> what did our beautiful listeners think? We had a couple of audio reviews in. Uh, as usual, Sammy Satine from Dan Under. If someone who knew the future pointed out to you a child and told you that child would grow up totally evil to be a ruthless dictator who would destroy millions of lives, could you then kill that child? It's one of the most quotable phrases from this episode and poses an excellent moral dilemma, hence why it was the inspiration for The Magician's Apprentice, which is familiar decades later. G'day, Gary and Adam Sammy Satine here. So, Genesis of the Daleks. I love this story. Michael Wisher as Davros is brilliant. Peter Miles as Nida is also brilliant. I actually would be really interested to learn why the Khaleds and the Thals started fighting in the first place. That scene when the Doctor steps on the landmine is tense. The scenes with him and Davros are brilliant. I can see why this is so highly regarded. If you haven't watched it, watch it. I give it nine Khaled scientists out of ten. See ya. Cool, cool. Nine out of ten. I'm glad Sammy mentions that because um, that's a good point. You know, obviously they picked up on that line and then that sort of was the basis for uh, the witch's familiar and, yeah. and whatever. And um, it, that's the one thing because I, I like the fact Moffat picked up on that line. I think it's a really interesting thing that we get to see Davros as a young child. But one thing that always bugs the hand out of me is the question is, what would you do? Would you kill that child? Blah, blah, blah. But if I'm right in saying this, the Doctor just walks off with Davros at the end of that two-parter. And that's it, isn't it? And I, it always bugs the hell yeah. out of me. So I'm like, well, yeah. surely the Doctor would have tried to influence him or it doesn't, it, to me, it doesn't tie in with the Davros we get to meet. You know, it feels like a real missed opportunity from uh, Stephen Moffat there. I always think that, you know, that scene of the Doctor and Davros walking off just him and Davros as a child. Yeah. What happens? Mm. <laughs> like, you know, I, it, it doesn't work for me, that scene. But that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad Sammy mentioned it because it does tie in with this, I think. No, I think the, so. The, the, yeah. the fact that the Doctor did apparently get that chance to change that child's future, but obviously didn't succeed. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Sammy. Thanks, Sammy. And nine. And um, this is Time Lord 0902. Greetings, Gary and Adam. On a balmy three-degree day, negative 17 to you guys, this is Time Lord 0902 with my review of Genesis of the Daleks. I first saw this episode in the late 1970s, and it still seems fresh to me now, as it did then. A bleak landscape, themes of genocide and the futility of war, great performances by the entire cast, especially Michael Wisher, Peter Miles, and Elizabeth Sladen, and one of the greatest speeches ever delivered in Doctor Who history. The do I have a right speech shows the doctor at his very best. His morality and, dare I say, humanity shine through. This is one of Tom Baker's most stellar performances as the doctor. This is also one of my all-time favorite Doctor Who episodes. I give it a 10 out of 10, although I do admit that the clam scene with Harry leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> you guys have a great one. Cheers. 
Excellent. Thank you very much. 10 out of 10. Yeah, another 10. Crikey. Uh, sorry, A10. Sorry, not another one. Um, yeah, thank you guys for your audio clips. Uh, very, very cool. Uh, let's jump over to some other uh, social media stuff. Let's jump on Twitter. Um, Craigie M says, I love this story. I wish Harry had more episodes along Sarah. Yeah. Because uh, I think the three of them work really well. Michael Wisher as Davros is outstanding. Uh, goes on to give it a 9.5. Hoovenir mm-hmm. uh, Jack says uh, I think that it's absolutely brilliant a great way to experience the beginning of the Daleks and it looks absolutely phenomenal in HD uh, mm. I first experienced it on vinyl oh. I loved it so much that I wanted to watch it that's very cool that's excellent uh, Morgan our good friend Morgan says a great story although it could be shorter Michael Wisher is fantastic as Davros and you can clearly see the Nazi symbolism everywhere with the Khaled's uh, yeah. We finally get to see the origins of Daleks, um, but I can't help but think there should have been way more props. More props? I, I'm guessing you mean more Daleks. More Dalek mm. props. Uh, but it gives it a 7.8. Cool. <laughs> uh, one of our writers, Mark Donaldson, says, uh, what new things can I say about this, about classic, about an absolute classic? Uh, watch the feature-length edit recently. Uh, has a really punchy ending and removes much of the uh, interminable running around. Uh, mm. Is the Dalek Nazi comparison more chilling when it's subtle? A la Dalek invasion of Earth? Question mark. Mm. Mm. Maybe that's for another show, Mark. Yeah. Uh, Walter M. Uh, a grand epic that not only gives us an excellent origin story for the Daleks and breathed new life into them, but also gave us one of the show's lasting villains in Davros. Mm. Uh, it's not even including the philosophical debates at the heart of the serial. Agreed. Yes. Jordan Shortman, another one of our writers, says it's a great story that is a little overrated, in my opinion. <gasps> Jordan. The standout star is Michael Wisher as Davros, the best actor to play him. Uh, the main cast is great. A shame we never had more from um, Tom, Sarah, and Harry overall. Uh, it's a classic, but that's not enough Daleks for me. Okay. Really? Uh, John Hughes uh, says, uh, be honest, it is brilliant, but it's a little too long. The mm. LP record, which I received for my birthday... Um, covers the entire story events more than adequately in 60 minutes. Okay. Undoubtedly, though, one of Tom Baker's best tales. Yeah. Uh, Rick Moran from the Doctor Who Appreciation Society um, says, uh, everything came together on this. Easily Terry Nation's best script, great direction, tremendous performances, not just from the main cast, but the supporting cast. Easy to see why it's regarded so highly. Mm. Indeed, Rick. Cheers, Rick. Um, Tardis Files HQ gives it a 9.5. Mm. Um, Sebling just says it's just perfect. Dare I say anything else? Edward Gillooly gives it a 9.5. Matt Hennessy, hands down the best dialect story of the 70s. Andrew Cuthbert Jr., quite possibly the best Doctor Who story of all time. Mm. 10 giant clam things out of 10. <laughs> Spencer um, Shively I'm hoping saying that right this time Spencer uh, says an amazing story watched it recently with my girlfriend and she loves it too uh, cool. great Dalek lore one of the craziest moral decisions the Doctor's ever made first meeting of Davros and the definitive origins of Daleks uh, just how realistic it all felt 10 mutos out of 10 <laughs> uh, there's a couple more Jason who um Story will always be special to me. It's a story that took me from someone who watches Doctor Who to um, being a fan who buys all the merchant DVDs. My fave moment is Davros and the Doctor talking about the, uh, the virus. Also love this TARDIS team. Such a shame they only got one series together. Yeah. That's right, Jason. It's a shame. Uh, Theta Sigma podcast says simply the best of Tom Baker's era. 
Mm. Uh, performance is superb. The lead cast are all great on form. And of course, there's that scene with the Doctor's moral dilemma. Simply brilliant. And lastly, Sarah Louise Baggett, the running Whovian, gives it a 10 out of 10. Classic Who at its finest. Cheers, Sarah. Uh, I'll rattle through a couple of these on Facebook. Uh, Martin Arnold. Um, it's an interesting conjecture. Yes, I believe I would do it. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so I have Dalek Perfection. Have I the right to review this episode? Yes, 10 out of 10. Uh, Dean Jones, a classic in every sense, 10 out of 10. Uh, Dean Pitt gives it a 9 out of 10. Um, Joseph Howarth gives it a 9 out of 10. Kevin Mullin gives it 10 Carlid Bunkers out of 10. Charlie <laughs> Turner, another 10 out of 10. And Peter Adam says, um, simply comment, uh, do I have the right Simply comment on the Big Blue Box podcast Facebook page, mm-hmm. and that's it. Hundreds of millions of people, thousands of generations, can live without podcasts in boredom. Even though, okay, I don't know what that's about. Um, so yeah, <laughs> did he score it? No, I'm, I'm sure he'd have given it a ten. Yeah. <laughs> that's it for listener reviews. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for taking the time to do all that stuff. Next week, uh, following the schedule, we're on Torchwood. So what have we got next week, dude? Yeah, next week it's Countryside. Oh, Countryside, yes. I remember that being a bit of a gore fest, but I haven't watched it for ages, so. Yes. That is the one, is that, yeah, if it's the one I'm thinking of. But yeah, Countryside next week. Yeah. <laughs> gore fest. Gore fest, yeah. <laughs> Look forward to that. Yes. I won't be eating my dinner watching it. <laughs> right, buddy. I think we'll wrap there for 217. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us through episode 217. It's been awesome talking through Genesis of the Daleks. Love that story. I'm pretty sure we could have gone on for another couple of hours about Easily. all of that <laughs> stuff. If you're a fan of David Tennant, which I'm sure you lot are, make sure you give his new Twitter account and his podcast a follow and see what happens with that. Just looking to see how many is he on? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next week Torchwood <laughs> Countryside so get that watched because we'll be asking for all of your reviews etc for that uh, in the meantime head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of our shows on there and there are buttons to link off to the various podcast networks so you could uh, give us a sub so you never miss a show when it goes out on a Friday plus there's buttons to go off to the social networks because we chat plenty of Doctor Who during the week if you're an iTunes listener, if you could spare a moment for a review and a rating, that would be amazing because that really helps us. And thank you to all of those that have done so. Head over to Adam's channel, The Geek's the Handbag. Geek's Handbag. Yeah, I should have a new vid out this week, hopefully. Nice, nice. <laughs> all things being well, yeah. Adam's channel on YouTube, The Geek's Handbag. Give him a sub, drop a load of likes, loads of cool stuff over there from Adam. Plus, you're on all of the usual socials under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. The Geek's Handbag. Yes, yes, I've just looked. David Tennant's on 406 oh, wow. followers on Twitter. Cool. So I'm, I'm still ahead of him, but <laughs> just I'm about. sure that'll change by next week. <laughs> Until next week then, for 218, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... <laughs> and...